2: What's good, baby? Damien Barling, one half of D Loman KC, and thank you so much for downloading the podcast here. We really appreciate it. And hopefully you're a subscriber of the podcast. That way you get every single episode, every single day, every single interview, every single clip, every single bit of King's News delivered right here to your mobile device it doesn't matter if you're subscribing through apple spotify google play it doesn't matter if you're subscribing through stitcher or the odyssey app you'll get every single episode delivered right here to your mobile device and if you're using one of the platforms that allow you to rate and review the show please do particularly on apple podcasts as i know that's where most of you are listening from if you could hit the five star review if you think we're worth it it only takes a split second and if you could leave a review that would be great as well the reviews cool. Again, it only takes a couple of seconds to do that, but it literally takes just a split second to hit that five-star button, man. We really appreciate you for being here with us, and enjoy the show. From Sacramento, California. Woke
3: up quick at about noon. Featuring Damian Barling. Yes, I absolutely still love Russell Westbrook. So what? And Kenny Carraway. Sometimes you're really just vibing out. This is D-Lo and KC. I'm
2: the street's voice out west. Legendary self-made progress. Last time that I checked. On ESPN
3: 1320.
2: What's good, baby? Hope you had a wonderful weekend. We welcome you in here to the November 28th edition. of Monday, November 28th edition of d and KC. I'm Damian Barling.
4: Acknowledge me!
2: Please do because I'm by myself. Acknowledge me. Uh, we will say this though many of you uh, recognize James Ham will be here shortly by the way uh, and, and shortly I mean he just wrapped up uh, with shoot around Sacramento Kings obviously back on the floor tonight against the Phoenix Suns. We'll talk about the rough holiday stretch uh that they had that first blowout of the season on Friday against Boston. Boston's a different breed, man. We'll we'll get there. We'll talk about it. Uh of course the win streak came to an end a couple of nights earlier against Atlanta. So we'll 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 talk about all of that stuff. Uh but obviously uh James is on his way in. I'm without KC today, as many of you know. Um the 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 Caraway family was set to expand uh this weekend and it did just that. And I don't think Kenny or Jasmine have posted the name anywhere so we just mentioned that the baby Caraway was in fact born uh on Saturday healthy happy uh the family is healthy and happy and uh stay glued to IMK Diddy uh, at IMK Diddy for 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 pictures and and the official names but until then or until uh Kenny says otherwise it is the baby Caraway the baby Caraway was born uh on Saturday so make sure you send them some love and 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 some congratulations across the social media platforms and and maybe a little acknowledge me. In fact, we'll go ahead. Partner if you're out there, we'll let these fly for you. The baby the baby the baby Caraway. Yes indeed. Um, so congratulations to Kenny and and, and Jazz and Reese and uh, our little, our little family here is expanding, man, and we're thrilled about it. And um, I'm quite honestly happy Kenny's not here cuz If he ain't here, he can't talk about Michigan. So it's good. It's good for all of us that he's not here. Um, Let's start with, again, James is on his way in. We're going to talk plenty about the Kings. We're going to talk about the two games over the uh, holiday stretch. We're going to talk about the game tonight. We're going to talk about the games this week uh, because, man, you talk about, again, people keep saying, oh, it's a rough stretch for the Kings. Oh, it's a tough schedule. It's a tough start. The schedule never gets easy. Like this is, and 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 this week shows it. Indiana's win streak came to an end. Buddy Hield's already been asked about coming back to Sacramento. You know Tyrese Halliburton is more than willing to talk about uh, coming back to Sacramento. So all of that is on the horizon. You got a sneaky man. There's no better team, in my opinion. There's no better team in the league than the Boston Celtics. Like the Boston Celtics are are in 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 Milwaukee's right there. But I feel like the Boston Celtics, as it stands right now, are a notch above everybody else. The Phoenix Suns are quietly, really, really good, and I didn't expect that. I mean, I I, I, I didn't expect them to be like tenth seed or out of the plan. I just wasn't really sure to. I wasn't really sure what to expect from them, man. Whatever, whatever stuff that might have gone on this offseason – they seem to have set, and they've played. This will be the tenth game tonight, by the way, uh, in Sacramento without Chris Paul. Uh, they've played the last nine games without Chris Paul, and they're 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 not missing a beat, man. They're in a good flow, they're in a good vibe right now. And this is this is a tough, tough week where, for 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 the Sacramento Kings, where, as we, we've talked about before. You're gonna have to beat good teams. It's one thing to beat the bad ones, but there are far more good ones than there are bad ones. And like I'm I'm seeing this message from John Poles, man. You start to look around the Western Conference. Warriors starting to creep back up. Don't look now, but the Lakers are playing all right. I mean, Anthony Davis is playing out of his mind. We saw the the performance that LeBron James had uh, late last week. So the, 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 the season, I feel like the season is starting to settle a little bit. And we'll dive into that more uh, as, as as we roll along. As soon as James gets here, uh, we'll dive into all that. I do want to mention this, or not just mention this, I want to talk about it. How about that San Francisco 49ers defense yesterday? I mean, there are a lot of flaws and big ups to the Raiders, too, for doing. I don't know what the point of the Raiders' season is at this point. Maybe they can scratch and claw and fight their way back in it, but that Raiders' strand ain't good enough for me to get high off one game. But I love the performance that they had yesterday against the Seattle Seahawks team that I feel like is really good. And the Raiders went ahead and, and, and did their former uh, Bay Area neighbors a, a, a solid there by taking out Seattle. That gives San Francisco sole possession uh, first place in the NFC West. And, you know, the, not the best offensive performance uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to stall them out a little bit on that front but you got to just give a cr- tremendous amount of credit to that 49ers defense. They pitched a shutout, as they say, and they worked to get that sh- shutout with two goal line stands. Uh first sack of the game, uh, of course it came from Nick Bosa who's at uh, like 11 and a half on the year. Um but that was the you know the sack that pre- uh, preserved the shutout with like six and some change left in the fourth. But it's now four straight games that this 49ers defense, who has dealt with injuries across this four-game stretch, it's the four straight game that they haven't given up a point in the second half. Now, obviously, yes, they didn't give up any points at all. They've gone six straight quarters without giving up a point. But when you look at the second half and you isolate it and you talk about winning football, yo, they have shut teams down since that Kansas City Chiefs game. They have shut teams down in the second half, and it is quickly emerging. Like, their defense, I mean, the stage is set. The biggest game of the week is already written in stone. I don't even know what's on the rest of the schedule, but I know the entire NFL world is looking forward to the Miami Dolphins and the offense that they have against the San Francisco 49ers and the defense that they have. Because the 49ers are going to need that defense because it's – yeah you know this weekend taught us anything and i don't think that it did if it taught us anything it might be that that 49ers offense is it it, it just kind of is what it is now here's why i'm going to stall them out a little bit the circumstances of the uh the the, the mexico game and all of the, the, the you know the different things that they you know that they they had going on i'll i'll, I'll stall them out a bit and say okay the offense looked a little bit lackluster not terrible. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo was was awful yesterday. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw an interception again, so I think that puts the the Nick Wagner stat uh, to, to fifteen and zero. When he doesn't throw an interception, and starts a game, fifteen and zero in the, in, the, in the last however you know many years it's been or whatever, like that. You you ask when you have an elite defense, and you ask your quarterback to play mistake free football. And you really don't ask for much more, just mistake-free football, and you win the game. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kill Jimmy Garoppolo for doing what Kenny has often sat across from me and screamed at him for the, for him to do. Just don't turn the ball over, don't make a bunch of mistakes. That's it. You got playmakers in Christian McCaffrey, and we'll talk about. We'll talk about Kyle Shanahan's strange wording in the postgame press conference later. You got Debo. We'll tell you what Kyle Shanahan said about Debo as well. But all of those you know, all, all, all of those 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 are your playmakers right there. And you got Jawan Jennings and Brandon Ayuk and all these different guys who are now stepping up. Of course, I I'm pretty sure George Kittle's still on that team, though it feels like he 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 goes from like six targets, four catches, two touchdowns. And then the next week's like oh not a, not a big factor of the, the game plan, or, or he was taken out of the game plan and I can't and that's where that's where I'm really struggling to make heads or tails of yesterday's 49ers offense is that a credit to the New Orleans Saints defense, is it kind of a product of, the holiday week the Mexico game every you know kind of all everything coming out of that, or is it just, is it just. That's the offense. That's the offense. That's all it is. And Sacktown, Tony, I see you. Jimmy's big mistake uh, getting called back was huge. Absolutely, but but, the, but but it's important to point that out. It got called back. It didn't count. You could criticize Jimmy Garoppolo for the interception, but it didn't go on the record. Like, it didn't count. It didn't mean anything. Must, I must stall him out for that. Sure, he threw an interception. It just got called back. Well, that means it didn't count. That's what you want him to do, play mistake-free football. And that's what Jimmy Garoppolo did yesterday. And that defense, that defense, I think it went from, hey, man, the San Francisco 49ers defense is solid. And then I think a couple of weeks go by, and it's like, man, you, you, you know, and I'm talking around the NFL. You see what this San Francisco 49ers defense is doing? And and now after the shutout of the New Orleans Saints, heading into this monster matchup against Miami, where I think this is two, this is the this is the ultimate warrior and Hulk Hogan, right? This is the irresistible force meets the immovable object, as Gorilla Monsoon used to say. It, it's like okay, which one of these themes is real? Is that Dolphins offense real? Is that Forty Nineers defense real? Is a combination of the two. We're like, what do, we, what do we got right here? And I think it's a test for both teams. I think both teams are looking at it like, I mean, what the 49ers have done over this stretch is impressive, but the last tam- time they played a truly elite team, they got their asses kicked. Okay, now you're stepping out there against New Orleans. Uh, you're stepping out there against Miami. And I think Miami's a very, very good football team. And I said this last week. I think the San Francisco 49ers are a very good football team. I think the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys are the two best teams in the in the NFC. I don't know which order they're in yet, but I think those are the two best teams in the NFC. I also don't think particularly highly of the NFC. That's why I kind of feel like those two teams might stand out at the same time. I like the Dolphins this year. I like Tua tonga I like what they're doing. This has set up uh, for a primetime matchup. And as I said, the Raiders, they 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 gave the 49ers a little bit of a hand yesterday by beating these Seattle Seahawks. And shout out to my guy, Josh Jacobs, who walked it off 86 yards in overtime. We'll come back. James Hamm is here. He's getting settled in. Will Z will preview the Phoenix Suns game by the numbers when he joins us uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes? We'll talk more 49ers football as well. Raiders on the way, lots ahead. We are just getting started.
5: Post your free job on linkedin.com/slash recommend today.
3: D-Lo and Casey continues streaming live on the Odyssey app.
2: Live on the Odyssey app, live on twitch.tv/slash ESPN 1320, youtube.com/slash ESPN 1320 for those just tuning in. Kenny out for the next couple of days uh, as the baby caraway was born uh, healthy and happy. Uh, over the weekend, um, mom's doing good, baby's doing good, and, and, and I think today, I think they're headed home today and and, and getting settled uh, at the house. So uh, Casey will be back with us either sometime late this week or, or, or next week. Uh, but happy to have my man James Hamm, uh, creator of the Kings Beater, 1320 Kings Insider in here uh, with me, fresh from, from shoot-around. Any breaking news to report from shoot-around?
6: No, uh, we talked to De'Aaron Fox for a few minutes. We talked to Keegan Murray for a few minutes. De'Aaron's
2: having quite the day.
6: Uh, yeah, De'Aaron has a his wife, I has a, a baby on the way in
2: January. So, congrats to the Foxes. Um, yeah. So, Clutch not... officially announced him today on the on the heels of the the Chris Haynes article with Bleacher Report, where he talked the, he talked for, really for the first time, I think, in depthly. I know you talked a little bit mm-hmm. to him that that night, but like in depth about joining Clutch Sports and. Uh, Clutch just put out the announcement uh not too long ago that DeAaron Fox is now a part of their their roster.
6: Yeah, we had that a few days ago. What was that two weeks ago?
2: Yeah, uh, no, we we, we, we we did. And yeah. um uh I I kept wondering like why won't they announce it? I, I and it dawned on me there there is a there's a p a time frame that, that players have to follow just like teams have to follow and all of that stuff, but Anyways, anything from your uh, conversation with De'Aaron?
6: No, I mean, I think that they're pretty upbeat. They understand that uh, they got beat up uh, with the schedule this last week, and they, they really did feel it, especially the second half against Atlanta. They, they felt like they ran out of gas. And, and the
2: killer part against the Atlanta game, it felt like they were just one shot away for like six minutes. Yeah, and I think <laughs> and defensively
6: they, they were really good, and they couldn't get the shots to fall. And that's, you know, it's one of those games where, I mean, defense, you can you can grind out a defensive game, um, but if you don't have your legs and you don't have someone come in who's fresh and, and jumps up and starts hitting shots, you're going to be in trouble. And uh, this team has had two back-to-backs this season. I think both games, they've looked really rough. And
2: I, I think it's, Warriors and Clippers was the other one? Yeah.
6: I think th- it's their style of play. They play really hard. They play... Uh, they put it all out there. Mike Brown goes uh, with his starters a lot. And then you get in the second night of a back-to-back and, you know, this team isn't sort of, they're not used to it. The rhythm of the season hasn't really hit yet for them. Hmm.
2: Okay. Well, we'll talk a lot more uh, about that. We'll talk a lot more about that stretch last week. And uh, we'll talk with Will Z coming up here in about 20 minutes or so uh, about the Suns game. Suns, I think, quietly are, I think they played the best team in the league on Friday. I don't think there's anyone better than the Boston Celtics right now. Phoenix Suns quietly are are just really, really good again.
6: Yeah, but I mean, I think if you look at the West, there's a lot of teams that are all bunched up together. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a day this weekend where um, the 11 seed and the one seed were two games apart. Mm -hmm. And I think right now they're like three and a half. Um, But the whole Western Conference, I mean, you you lose a game, you're going to slide down three or four spots. Yeah. Uh, you win a game, you
2: could move up. You could go right up to the top. So. The King, I think the Kings moved up two spots by not playing this weekend. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so after the bad the bad stretch that they had, they fell, I think they fell to eighth and then didn't play Saturday or Sunday and moved back up to sixth. So yeah. that's, that's the Western Conference right now. It, it's totally the Western Conference. I mean, it's all over
6: the board, and each and every night you're playing a very difficult team. And I looked at the Kings' schedule again. The next ten games are against eight playoff teams. I mean, mm-hmm. current current playoff teams. This is a tough stretch again. And I think the tenth game in that stretch is all the way at the end of a six game road trip against Detroit Pistons. Still, like a getaway game, the final game of a six game trip. That's that's brutal. That's not easy to go get that game. So uh, they've got to you know sort of buckle down and and hold on here and and hopefully uh, ride the wave of the beam in their six game home winning
2: streak. And they got a back-to-back this weekend uh, in L.A. and then home. And then they go on, like, the road trip from hell that starts with the Milwaukee Bucks, I think, on—I think it's Wednesday. Tuesday yeah, it's, like, Wednesday.
6: Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Cleveland, New York. Um, I can't remember. Toronto's I've, in there. Toronto's the fifth game, and then they finish with Detroit. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculously tough, so— that's, you know, that's the NBA. And then they have, after that, you know, if they survive that and, you know, say you go four and six or say you go five and five somehow, you get done with that stretch and the schedule lightens up a little bit and you got to take advantage, especially at home.
2: Well, you, you think that it's lightening up because they come back and they have the Hornets first, but then they have the Lakers and the Lakers. Uh-oh. The, well, the Lakers, they, they they look a little bit different. I think Anthony Davis is playing really well. LeBron James, obviously, is still out of this world. Um, I did read something before the show started that said, uh, (laughs) the Lakers think they're a couple pieces away, and I'm like, oh, that's sure. A couple pieces away from what? A contender. Oh, I don't think that that's true unless one piece is Giannis and the other piece is Steph, then technically they're accurate. Uh, there are still a lot of flaws with the Los Angeles Lakers, but if you can get AD and LeBron kind of riding at the same time, yeah, yeah it's 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 still a that's that's a tough duo to beat.
6: Yeah, I mean you're a couple of pieces away, but you have no way to go get those pieces. Right, that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, and, and even if you you lose Westbrook for nothing this offseason, you still don't have any money. Because LeBron and AD made
2: yeah. up so much salary. Well, I, I, but you do though, because you got, I, I, you got rid of Talon Horton Tucker, and I think Talon Horton Tucker, if I remember correctly, Talon Horton Tucker's contract plus Russ's will equal, uh, it'll equal a max contract. Now I don't know if there's a max player to well, go out there and get unless you're going to give that money to Kyrie Irving.
6: That's if you can trade him. If you can trade. Uh, Russ there is no but he's
2: gonna he's gonna expire at the end of the year
6: well yeah but still you only get
2: salary cap money if if you actually have salary cap room you know doesn't that isn't that what gives them room though the fact that they got rid of Tucker and then he falls off so like a lot of people think Russ is 40 million falls off the books and all of a sudden the Lakers have 40 million no they have like 20 something just with Russ but it's the yeah. ten million I think they dumped with Talon Horton Tucker, the twelve million that they dumped next year for Talon Horton Tucker that puts him in the range of like thirty two to thirty six.
6: Okay, you're you're right. They're ninety two million for uh, in dedicated salary for next season, um, and you know that's with they have a player. Uh, you know if they if they keep Damian Jones around, that would push him up to like ninety four million. But realistically, it's only LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the books. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, and, you
2: do got to fill out the rest of the roster. And those yes. two
6: together make 40, I mean 90, I mean 87 million bucks. Oof. Just the two of them together. Yeah, and Russ just you said it's 40 million. million. It's 47. Yeah. Uh, it, he it, deserves it, it. It looks worse. Yeah, he do, well, he <laughs> He's bleeding for that money,
2: isn't he? He, he sure is. He's bleeding I lo- for that I love money. It, I did, I was more than a little amused with that the other night when all of the tweets went out about Russell Westbrook is hot after the elbow. It's like, yo, how about Zach Collins throwing an illegal UFC elbow to his Like He went 12-6 to 6 on Russ's head, and y'all are focused on Russ's reaction. Zach Collins legit got tossed out of the game, but you're focused on Russell Westbrook's reaction. You know, uh,
6: Zach Collins would be one of the dirtiest players in the league if he actually could stay healthy long enough <laughs> to actually be dirty. Uh, like... Good for zach Collins for being in there for a game and and hitting somebody it's like, he, his career and you know that that's yeah. he was a number ten pick in the two thousand seventeen right. nBA draft that the, yeah. the Kings traded for number fifteen and number uh and number twenty. Instead of just So an taking, opportunity
2: to get both picks wrong rather than just one.
6: Yeah, instead of just taking Donovan or taking Bam Adebayo. Just think if they would have taken Bam and had him paired with De'Aaron Fox forever.
2: Yeah, no, good times, James. That's, yeah. a, that's a great way to start the week right there. <laughs> Let's just segue just, <laughs> out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how about those 49ers, James? Uh, huh? hey, how about those 49ers? I mentioned this at the top. I do want to touch on a couple of things about the 49ers really quick. Um We were talking about the the offense and how the defense of the 49ers is stellar. Offense leaves a little bit to be desired, but you don't look at Jimmy Garoppolo to be the big, giant playmaker. You look at Debo Samuel to be the playmaker. You look at Christian McCaffrey to be the playmaker. And Kyle Shanahan used a a line that caught my attention um, when talking about Christian McCaffrey after the game yesterday. He said, Christian McCaffrey has knee irritation. I'm sorry, Kyle. What the hell does that mean? It doesn't sound good. He has knee irritation. Uh, Okay, like how? Why? Uh, Debo has a a hamstring issue. So some of the playmakers that the 49ers rely on on the offensive end are 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 battling through some things right now. Debo been battling here, it seems like, uh, for a couple of weeks. And Christian McCaffrey. This note on Christian McCaffrey is what 49er fans feared. When the trade happened, it's like he can be super dynamic when he's on the field. You made Zach Collins joke a minute ago. He could be super dynamic when he's out there on the field, but there's always a concern that he's one knee irritation away from being out of the lineup.
6: Yeah, he's missed so much time in his career and some pretty catastrophic injuries, too, so... Uh, And it doesn't help that,
2: uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell is also an injury-prone running back. Sprained his knee yesterday. He's likely going to miss some time. He sprained his MCL in week one, and that obviously took him out for a significant period of time, Kyle said yesterday. He didn't think the knee sprain or they didn't think the knee sprain that he got yesterday was as bad as the MCL sprain in week
6: one yeah it's gonna make you wonder if they uh, they made a rash decision by uh, giving up on Jeff Wilson at the at the trade deadline mm. um, who looked pretty solid for Miami he ended up getting banged up at one point and went back into the the tunnel I, I don't know he, what his injury update was he
2: did um, but you got I, I'm, I'm I'm ready for some Jordan Mason. Minutes, I think we've seen minutes, some carries, some some Jordan Mason playing time here. I think he he show he's 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 shown a little bit. I think he I think another thing it appears anybody can play running back at that position. You just get someone who has a skill set, can follow the game plan and you you're 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 going to get hurt. That's the trade-off. If you're a 49ers running back, you're inevitably going to get hurt, but you're going to get a good run out there.
6: Yeah, I think the zone blocking scheme lends itself to players uh getting injured. And I don't know mm-hmm. what it is about the zone blocking scheme, but it seems like teams that run that style usually have to have two or three running backs in their stable waiting uh waiting for someone to go down and um, you know, it's kind of the way it's been all the way through his tenure here in uh, San Francisco. He, he always has somebody, uh, always has running backs that are down as far as Shanahan, and uh, hopefully he can he can find another one to throw
2: in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ty Davis-Price will likely get some, maybe he'll actually be active for a game, and then, uh, <laughs> of course, what we saw from Jordan Mason. Um, One last 49ers note before we get back to uh, the, the Kings, because the, 49ers offense yesterday looked a lot like the uh, Kings offense did last week. Um, Jimmy G, 28 pass attempts in the first half. Mm. Nine in the second. Yeah, 28's a lot for him. It is. And clearly Kyle didn't like those 28 because he sliced that number up in the second half. You know what, though? I, I think that that might be where
6: Shanahan can kind of master this team. He can look and say, "Okay, is Jimmy got it today?" And if he does not, I'm going to pull back. If he does, then I'm going to let him go ahead and make some mistakes and let him go. But I think it's one of those players that, you know, a little bit like like say Buddy Hield where like if he's hitting tonight, well, he's going to play 36, 38 minutes. Mm-hmm. If he's not the Kings never had the luxury for him not to play 30 plus, but Maybe you could have tapered him back to 18 minutes if he's not hitting the three ball and just use him as a decoy. And uh, I I think that with this style of offense, I mean, he has so many weapons. How could you not go out there and succeed? But I I think you can also, Jimmy Garoppolo, one game to the next, you can see if he's got it or not. And if he doesn't have it, then pull back, run the ball a bunch.
2: And what's so as we transition back to the Kings here, and we'll talk more football as the day progresses, um, as we transition back to the Kings here it, it was the first time over this two the, these last two games that it looked like the offense struggled and they struggled for a sustained period rather than you know oh, maybe they're not hitting for three quarters uh, but they're going to hit in the fourth uh, maybe there's a stretch during the fourth where they're hot maybe there's a stretch during the second quarter where they're hot it, you know we were talking about this with the with the um, Atlanta game a minute ago it felt like they were one shot away and I think, and I, 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 I won't speak for every Kings fan. I'll speak for myself. As that game was going along, just the way that they looked, it was like I don't think it's, I don't think it's happening this time. Like watching the Detroit games, watching some of these other games, like no, nah, they, 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 they're gonna get there. That run's gonna come. The Lakers game, nah, that, it, 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 they look, they look fine. The Atlanta game, they didn't necessarily look fine. Like everything looked flat. And then by the time they got to Boston, they looked like they didn't want to play anymore.
6: Yeah, so the Atlanta game specifically, I thought outside of Malik Monk, no one else really looked Malik that Malik was
2: crazy. That was his 27. Yeah, he yeah. had
6: 27, uh, and I thought he looked really, really impactful. And, and I thought Trey Lyles had a really good game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I thought it, that was the first time where Fox looked really rough around the edges and looked like he, he was 7-20 from the field, but he forced so many shots late. It was almost like he was trying to will his team to victory, yeah. and he didn't have it, and he shouldn't have done that, and he should have tried to get others involved to try to let them will themselves uh, the team to victory. And then when we got to the Celtics, uh, first of all, I think the Celtics are a very good team, and you're going to—I mean, that's a championship-caliber quali- uh, team, and I-, I thought very specifically, though, the Kings had something brewing with Sabonis in the po- in the post, And then they just went away from it. And then all of a sudden, there was this stretch of, you know, during the bad stretch of just horrific jump shots. Mm -hmm. Just what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And those are moments where I think Mike Brown, uh, like, unfortunately, I don't think Harrison Barnes was in the game. Um, I don't, Sabonis wasn't in the game. At some point, you have to go to guys who understand what's happening and let them go into paint and get you a 60, 70% shot at the rim or get fouled and slow the game down and stop what's happening. Um, it was, what, a 16-0 run to end the third quarter. That went to 19-0, but overall it was like 34-6 to 6 or something. It was ridiculous. I mean, they just got manhandled, and I thought that, That's again, insane. For all the times— 34-6 is yeah, insane. that we've seen Mike Brown call these timeouts. Where was the timeout? Where was the stop in the action? Where was changing up the lineup that was not working at all? And I'll even say that, that lineup didn't work in the first half either. Mm-hmm. And so you already saw it not work, and then it didn't work again. Um, yeah, I was I was disappointed, and I you know, it happens. We so. got a
2: heavy dose of KZ Paula in the Boston game.
6: In the first half, he was good yeah, though. Yeah, like, and I think he is a good matchup when you're going against a player like Jason Tatum, who's got you know a lot of uh, he does a lot of ISO ball, mm-hmm. but he also likes to you know really go way up for his jump shot, full extension. Kaziock Paul is a guy that can at least bother him, and I thought KZ made some nice adjustments. But he hit a three, he made a couple of nice back cuts, he had seven points in the first half, but then again, nothing in the second half. Uh, just a little odd, a little odd how that whole game played out. Did the Kings stop attacking because De'Aaron stopped attacking? No, I, I just thought they went away from you know their standard their standard stuff. I you know,
2: Boston, well, I, I mean, we should note that Boston's a very very good defensive team
6: yeah even though they they're around like 14 in the ranks they're they're a better defensive team than that and they cause problems so I think they kept switching defenses and and really kind of throwing the kings off a little bit they like to switch a ton um and I thought for the early part of the game the kings took advantage of the switches they would just wait to see who got who they could switch onto Sabonis and Sabonis would go you know throw some ragdoll around in the paint and, and go up for a, a big boy layup Mm-hmm. But again, you, you can't go away from those things. We haven't had one game where Sabonis has gone for like 30, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Sabonis is too good of an offensive player, and
2: especially around the rim. Well, I think an interesting stat to look up too would be what's the most shot Sabonis has even taken in a game, because I, I don't yeah. feel like you, 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 you talk about him going for 30 points. I don't know that he's ever had a night aggressive enough to get close to 30 points. Yeah, he's still finding his way in the offense, and you know, which is weird because it feels
6: like the whole offense is about him. Seventeen shots—that's his most on the season. He's only had fifteen shots or more four times. That's pretty crazy to me. That really for a guy who's that efficient and effective, and um, that that to me is pretty stunning. He's got, oh boy, he's got—I think—almost as many uh, games this season under ten shots as he does above. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not something I would expect to see when I you know, pull up this. He's had, he's had two games this season where he only shot the ball five times. That, to me, is crazy. Wins or losses? Uh, both wins. They mm-hmm. won against Detroit and San Antonio with him shooting four or five from the field in both. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a game against Brooklyn, 6 of 6, where they won. So his three lowest uh, shot production games, actually most of his lowest shot production games, but they here's a stat for you damien they are seven and eight when he shoots less than 10 times per game i mean seven and one seven and one they've won
2: seven There's out of eight seven of eight wow they're seven and one when he shoots less than 10 less than 10 when he shoots nine shots or or less yeah
6: that is absolutely I don't know what that. amazing.
2: What, what what do you do, what do you do with that?
6: <laughs> I don't know. What are you, hey, what are you Mike Brown? Hey,
2: Sabonis, <laughs> check out this stat. Stop shooting. Stop shooting. We win when you don't <laughs> shoot. <laughs> That's yeah, all I got to say. It it just it, it it feels like it feels like he's the hub of the offense though. Uh, like maybe maybe DeAaron is the guy who dictates everything but it feels like or he 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 kind of starts that process but it feels like so much goes through Demontis Sabonis and he's one of the guys who when he's off it's glaring like it's really noticeable sometimes Harrison will be off and you won't really notice till the game's over you're like oh Harrison was 1 of 4 what the hell but you don't notice until the game is over when Sabonis is off, like it's you like you see it and you notice it right away. Um <laughs> That's funny.
6: How one guy yeah, I I've always thought that like we had the game early in the season where like Malik Monk had like the noisiest fourteen points there ever was. You are like, Holy cow, he was so impactful. And then you look up and you're like, Wait, Trey Lyles had had fifteen? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even remember Trey Lyles playing in the game. Yeah. It's it's really interesting how one player just because of the way the function of their job, how
2: they look so impactful. Well, and I'm guessing has, uh, personalities play a part in the example that you just laid out there too. Yeah, I yeah. can't imagine. I don't. I don't think I've seen Trey Lyles beat his chest following a a, a layup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's
6: it's funny too. I uh, it always reminds me of of Vivek. Like because there are guys that disappear, right? And Vivek has this ability to absolutely vanish. So you, you go over, you say hello to him, and you turn around, or sometimes he'll he'll say something like, hey, have you met my friend Roger Craig? And you look over to shake hands. Hey, it's Roger Craig. You shake hands, you look back, and Vivek has magically disappeared. <laughs> so I don't know if he's got like an acme hole like that he just throws out on the floor and jumps just through. Jumps through it, yeah. Uh, or what, but he's always been that. And so it kind of relates to the, some of these players. You're just like... Hey man, did you just disappear? I don't know what happened to you for like 12 minutes. You were on the court. The stats say you were on the court. The you know the scoreboard says you were there, but
2: I don't remember you at all. Hey James, it's official. The uh, Kings have recalled Chimayo from Stockton. You want to get that out there? I already too. got it out there. What oh, are you very about? good. Okay, very good. I just I just wanted to make sure. I don't I don't have the James <laughs> Ham alert yet. Just wanted to make sure we got that out there to the universe and uh, everyone was caught up. Um, that's funny. Moneki back yep exciting times Exciting
6: uh, times the team dog i I actually have talked to him I'm like, are you okay if like I put like a a gif to go with it something that you know is funny and and he's like, oh yeah he's like i'm I'm totally fine. he's like i, I get it. I understand what's happening i'm I'm okay and I'm like,
2: all right good is he just practicing is that legitimately all that's happening? Like, what? Why does this? Why, why? Why does this just keep happening over and over again? Okay, it, it's pretty specific. Okay, so
6: when they call up a two-way player and bring them up and down, they don't have to announce it. So they have to put it on the injury report that, uh, you know, Keon Ellis and Nemias Keda are not with the team, and then it says their designation is G League assignment. Mm-hmm. When it comes to a rostered player, which Chima is, the other two are two ways, so it's different every time you send him back and forth you have to actually recall him and send him down so even if it is to go to a stockton kings game or stockton kings practice or if he's with the stockton kings and he's got to come back um which is what we saw this weekend I, he was on the first he was with the team on the first game of the road trip and they they flew him and Demian and Keon back uh for the second game like right before thanksgiving so they got stuck in holiday uh, airport traffic like everyone else did and, and had to fly back somewhere. Uh, and then, well, back here because they played uh, Santa Cruz. Can you imagine to me as Kata
2: stuck in... Coach. G. like, <laughs> come on, man. I want to talk about... Uh, Southwest coach. Yes, We'll come back. Will Z's going to join us. We'll preview the King's sons by the numbers. We'll talk more uh, about the Sacramento Kings as we roll along. It's on Casey, James Ham sitting in for Kenny here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320.
3: Continues streaming live on the Odyssey
2: app. Live on the Odyssey app, live on Twitch, live on YouTube, live on 98.5 FM HD2 in your electric vehicle. Let's let these air horns fly because not only uh, was the baby Caraway born on Saturday, not only did De'Aaron Fox announce that he's got a little one on the way, but our very own Will Z. This is how big of a fan De'Aaron Fox is of Will Z. De'Aaron was like, yo, Will Z having a baby. We got to tell everybody we're having a baby. Uh, Will Z announced <laughs> over the holiday weekend that him and his beautiful wife are, are expecting a, a new statistician on the way here in the coming months, man. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Very excited. Looking forward to it a lot. Babies all over the place, James. You want to announce anything? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Actually, well, I I, uh, I showed
6: Shannon, the media relations director uh, of the Kings, uh, Kenny's text to me with mm-hmm. with beautiful little baby pics, and uh, Mark Jones was standing right there. I, I, and she goes, "Oh, you gonna have? Are you gonna have one?" I am like, uh, "No." Like me and Mark Jones, we understand. <laughs> we're at the other end. We're, yeah. we're, we see the end of the the light at the end of the tunnel, where like you know, empty nests. Empty nest is just around the corner.
2: I like it. And Will, this is your this is your guys's first one. Yep.
7: Okay. So getting ready for the exhaustion and and all that comes with it. But. That's 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 great stuff, yeah. man.
2: That's great stuff. Yeah. Congrats, Congratulations. Dude. Um. So Thank let's you, dive guys. into this game tonight. Uh. Boy. And by the way, uh, credit to Will Z who said the key to to beating the Celtics seemed to have been uh hope that they get cold from three or hope that you get hot from three. Well, the Kings got really, really cold from three. I think a season-low 25% um, against, against the Celtics on Friday. It was bad. Whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was bad. Uh, the Celtics were not. And that game went pretty close to the way Will said it would go uh, if the Kings didn't hit their shots.
7: Yeah, there's just certain teams where it was kind of like the Cavs game where pretty much the only time they had been beaten up to that point was when teams got hot. From three, and similar with the Celtics was, you either have to get hot or the Celtics get cold, and just a bummer that the Kings, who were set up, have the roster to kind of match anyone. Just couldn't seem to get the shots going.
6: Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. You know, when you look at breaking down stats and games. Um, what stands out to you with the Kings when it comes to what does it take for them to get the win or or how are they beatable? Uh, because, I mean, if if the Cavs and the Celtics have these sort of, you know, number numerical benchmarks that, you know, you can see, what is it about the Kings that you, you look for? Um,
7: I think they've been so it's interesting. I was looking at that earlier and nothing has super stood out to me. I think because of how, how well-rounded they are. Um, I should look into it a little bit more, but so far it seems like the Kings have either been on fire from three or scoring a ton in the paint. Uh, and they're usually able to rely on at least one of those things, but it's been the last few games where they've been cold from both spot. Um, which
2: is just odd for them, given their offensive firepower how do you so so let's dive into tonight's matchup um mm-hmm. this is a a a strong take by me will the suns are really good uh, <laughs> what was was there a particular stat that stood out to you uh as you were uh preparing for this game and posting that preview by the numbers over on e s p n thirteen twenty dot net
7: yeah, Yeah, night. two things. <laughs> two things. One is the home and road record for the Suns. Uh Suns are eleven and one at home, but on the road, they're just two and five. Mm-hmm. So they're a much better home team than away team, which benefits the Kings who so are six and three at home. And then I didn't realize how good of a year Mikel Bridges is having. Um, that really popped out at me. He's averaging career highs. In points, rebounds, assists, three-point percentage, free-throw percentage, he just, well, continuing his defense. Um, so from the Suns' standpoint on how good they are, those are the kind of two things that stood out to me. When
6: I'm watching Mikhail Bridges, I always get the feeling that he's way better and that the Suns are holding him back. I mean, do you get that Not that the Suns are completely you know, just putting a guy in the corner and, and not letting him do anything. But when they let him go off, he's really, really good. And I always mm-hmm. wonder why he doesn't get more opportunities. He easily could be a 20-point-per-game score in this league. And uh, oh, that yeah. just watching him play, like, there are so many avenues where if he just added more shots, he would be perfectly capable.
7: Yeah. I mean, his percentages are, like, through the roof. He's shooting 46.9% from three. So if you were to up that volume, even just a little,
2: he'd pretty easily bump into the 20-point range, I'm sure. Two of the three teams with the highest point differential are the last two teams the Kings have played, the Celtics on Mm -hmm. Friday and the Suns tonight. Uh, And the Suns have been doing a lot of this without Chris Paul. Chris Paul is going to miss his 10th game um, tonight, and... I wonder, uh, well, how much of that might contribute to what Mikael Bridges is doing uh, so far this season?
7: Yeah, let me look up real quick, see if there's been an increase in kind of Bridges' production. Since Paul's been out, sorry, I don't have that pulled up right away. No, it's
2: fine. It's Will Z looking at that. Is kind of like watching <laughs> this. Is so this is how the song. so so this is this is Will's mm-hmm. mind working. It's like the the Hangover meme with all of the numbers just in symbols transferring around <laughs> his right. head. Like I'm gonna find this. Mechanic. I always
7: joke that I'm like two clicks away from a stat. Um, <laughs> pretty much always have something pulled up. So but yeah,
2: I, the last what ten games? Um, this will be the tenth tonight that Chris cuz yeah. chris paul i think has already been ruled out james is that yeah he's out uh, yeah chris paul's been ruled out yeah. for tonight's game
7: yeah his field goal attempts have definitely spiked um 20 the last 9 games 20 13 14 11 12 11 17 17 10 hmm. uh, before that his season high was 13 um and he'd only gone over 10 in about half the games so he's just gotten more James, like you were saying, more volume with Chris Paul being out. That and they are two, three, four, five, six and three in those nine. Mm. So they're not. I'm sure they miss Chris Paul, but they have the depth and the talent to kind of make up for it.
6: Yeah, Cameron Payne is
7: uh, is playing out of
6: his mind, and it's kind of like yeah. that that moment where he he's kind of everything's come together, right? Uh, he hasn't had a foot injury, which he had so many other times during his career. He's a guy that the Kings were interested in multiple times years and years ago, but never could get straight with his injuries. Um, What are you seeing, like, his explosion, especially with Paul out? He's been the guy who's carrying the the, most of the load at the point guard position. Um, And, and, you know, I guess we should bring up, too, like, this team is not as dynamic without Cam Johnson. Like, uh, it's a very, very high-scoring team. They're number the Number three in the league in in offensive rating and number four in the league in defensive rating, but they're also a really slow team. They're twenty ninth in pace, which is not something you usually see a high powered offense that is really
7: slow in pace. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the thing that stood out to me about that is they don't turn it over very much. Um, so even though they're not very quick, they take advantage of all their possessions. So uh, they turn it over 13.2 times a game, which is 26th in the NBA. Um, and, I mean, we saw the last few games with the Kings where they're just not getting as many shots with their turnovers. And it's something that the Suns do a good job of and take care of the ball and get the shots up. Uh, so even though they may not be running as fast, they still get generally more looks than their
2: opponent. So I ask you this, Will. KZ mm-hmm. Akpala time.
7: <laughs> I like it. I I'm a defense first guy. Like I that's why I love Davion so much. I think that's my type is uh, <laughs> great defenders. <laughs> so I like it. If he can chip in like six to ten points a game with the type of defense he can provide, I just the length that he has is something that Davion doesn't possess just naturally and the idea of Davion and Agpala out there together just harassing opponents at the same time is it's intriguing I don't know if the offense it'll be interesting to see if the offense can carry that with both of them out there but
2: I mean what a dynamic duo
7: on defense those two would be
2: Great stuff, Will. We appreciate you, as always, my man. And, again, congrats on the uh, on the new arrival. You can check out Will Z's work over there on uh, ESPN1320.net. We appreciate you, Will. Thank you, my man. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. That's all right. That's our man, Will Z, right there. You're listening to d and KC on KIFM West Sacramento, 98.5 FM, KRX, QHD2 Sacramento, ESPN1320, driven by Lasher's Elk Grove Dodge, always live on the free Odyssey app. And kudos to us. We talked to Will Z for 10 minutes and didn't even mention the fact that the now reigning Western Conference Player of the Week is DeAndre Ayton on the Phoenix Suns.
6: I missed that, too. So
2: we talked Cam, we talked Mikel Bridges, we talked Cameron Payne, for God's sakes, and the fact that Chris Paul uh, has missed the last 10 games. Didn't reference Devin Booker, nor the fact that DeAndre Ayton is playing at a really high level right now.
6: Yeah, I mean, this team—it's really interesting to see on on paper. Like Booker is, of course, a twenty-seven point per game scorer, but after that, it's a little Kings-esque. You got a bunch of guys around sixteen, then you got another group of guys around thirteen. It, it is kind of it has that same fill feel, uh, feel, and they're just—I think they're more refined to what they're doing right now because they've been doing it longer together. Uh, they, you know, this team's been together. They've they've won uh, at the highest level. They've got to the finals. Um, they didn't win the finals, but you know, they got there, uh, and they're able to carry on without Chris Paul. So, uh, the fact that Aiton is, is sort of living up a little bit to his billing, um, but I'll still say this, Damian, I've never really understood, I mean, why the Kings get beat up so much for Marvin Bagley, uh, and Luka Doncic when the Suns passed on Luka as well and, and could have had him at number one and should have had him at number one. And he would have fit perfectly, and their backcourt would be like two incredible all stars, and they passed as well. So I mean, I get why the Kings get beat up all the time, but let's not act like Deandre Aiden is some some special player. I mean, is he a top ten? No,
2: but he's. Uh, I, 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 I get your point, and because you, it's not just Luca. You had the ability to get Trey Young as well. You didn't like. I I get yeah. that. I think the reason the it always falls on the Kings more is because for whatever reason, and I I, I, di- I didn't understand it at the time, and obviously it it, it makes sense now I, less sense now. I did not understand it even in the moment, but DeAndre Ayton was the projected number one overall pick, and I, I that was a team who I I think you you look at the various times in Sacramento where it's like let's get out of the backcourt and go with this guy. At least Aiton made a go with a frontcourt player. At least Aiton made it to a second contract. Marvin didn't even make that. Like Aiton is a good player. Begrudgingly
6: well, made it to a second contract with the Spur, uh, with the Suns. I mean, they, he didn't get an extension. What? Still, hit.
2: you're 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 right, but still, he did.
6: Yeah, I mean, I get that. I get that, but at the same time, like he's, I think DeAndre Aiton is good. He he's okay, but I mean he's not I don't even think he's a top ten player at his position.
2: He might really? be really he might be a top ten center, but like I don't even know if I can name ten centers and you don't think DeAndre Aiden is a top ten center?
6: No, I don't I I mean he's nowhere
2: near a Jokic just a, a Sabonis, an Embiid, a Gobert. I didn't hear this. I read it. Yeah. And I think Cam Solano treated it, tweeted it. The Boston Celtics were calling Domas, a uh, low-budget Jokic.
6: Oh, they're, um, they're they're announced by team. their announced team, which is what Scalabrini. Is it still Scalabrini, or is he just on no, premium I think post? It's,
2: yeah, no, it's Scal.
6: Oh, yeah. That, that's rough.
2: That's disrespectful. Like, come on, man.
6: Well, especially when he could get a shot anytime he wanted against your front line, against Al Horford and anyone else down there. And, you know, if they would have had Robert Williams, then it would have got really ugly. Because those are the guys he's like, oh, all right, mm-hmm. bring it on. Bring it on, Stick Boy! I'll just push you underneath the basket and dunk on you.
2: Uh, I thought that was so weak. Yeah. I, 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 again, I didn't hear it. I read it, and I I, I assume it it, it wasn't uh, made up, but yeah, it's that's silly. I yeah, that you gotta
6: silly. like if you're a, a visiting. Uh, you know, I remember years ago that was uh, Sean Elliott and Demarcus Cousins situation. Sean Elliott kept saying that Demarcus Cousins couldn't hold Tim Jun- uh, Tim Duncan's jock on the air, and that became an issue with Cousins after. After the game. Yeah.
2: Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. One yeah, of those that. situations. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, hey, you do what you got to do. <laughs> no word on if Domas confronted Brian Scalabrini following Friday's <laughs> loss. Um, wow. I, I, I mean,
6: like, look, if if you're calling a game, you're supposed to be somewhat.
2: No, I got you. I was back like, on the DeAndre Ayton thing that you don't uh, think DeAndre Ayton is top 10 at his position.
6: Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I like we. I think we can come up with ten centers that I think are better.
2: I, okay. I mean, we we don't have to. I mean, okay. So we'll go Domas Jokic and and Anthony Davis right out the gate. Embiid. Okay, Embiid. Valanciunas. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, Vucevic. Okay. I feel like these are a little bit debatable.
1: Oh,
6: I don't think so. Those,
2: those, I feel like those last two are debatable.
6: Oh, I don't know. Uh. I, right. I'd have to look at the, I, I, I the don't center's think, list I don't think in the we're going to
2: agree on this. So okay, that's okay. Right. No, we don't have fine. to agree. That's on fine. This. You're right, James. We don't have to agree. <laughs> we can just do the rest of the show. Mad. I'm not throwing Stephen Adams out there. I mean, I, I think he's better than Stephen Adams. Steven Adams. <laughs> uh, you know, I like Stephen Adams. Yeah, I think I like Stephen Adams more than more than his game. Oh, Quantifies yeah. for me to like I, him. I love Stephen Adams. Yeah, too. but I, yeah. I, I I I like Stephen Adams, and he's <laughs> funny enough. He's like he's the one guy Sabonis can't push around like he absolutely cannot move him around you see anytime uh he goes up against
6: the big big like heavy strong guy centers that's when sabonis really has a tough time Mm -hmm. and it's because he doesn't pull his game out away from the basket against those guys if he would start doing like high post stuff and start hitting 16 foot jumpers it would open up everything but he just still tries to go at those guys and they get into your body and won't let him get off the ground at all and uh the other guys the you know the skinny guys the shot blocker guys he eats those guys alive mm-hmm. um you know like even coming in like miles turner coming up like that should be a fun battle cuz they played against each other and uh, played with each other for so long um but that's a guy that he like historically just beats up he pushes underneath the basket and and goes around and
2: aiton isn't a he's not a brick down there
6: no he's kind of in between yeah, like I, I'm kind of intrigued to see how this goes with hmm. Um Yeah. I don't know. I Like when I watched Ayton in college before he was drafted, he had no post move. Mm-mm. All he had was a pin down and throw, lob the ball over the top and I'll dunk.
2: I did not get it.
6: He didn't set screens at all. His screens were 10 feet away from everyone and like, go ahead and bring your guy to me. And the guy's like, oh, you're way over there. Okay, I'll just move around you. <laughs> just, like that's not a screen. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think that there were a lot of good things to his game. And I thought he was really raw. And with the game going away from big men, even at that point, I was really surprised that, that Doncic wasn't a higher, you know. Sure, the sun said early on we're going to take Aiden. Um, but, like, the Kings didn't have Aiden that high on their board. They, they like, I mean, even Vlade at that time said he would have taken Bagley number one if he had the number one pick. Yeah. You're on a roll
2: today. Well— I, you just, haven't even been here in an hour yet. I, I'm <laughs> just saying, like, <laughs> uh, oh man, um, you want to talk about Keegan Murray? Yeah, I, we
6: talked to Keegan. Um, I, like, he's just like everything is snowballed, and I, I feel like it, like the anxiety of it is is getting to him a little bit. He's such a cool, like, relaxed personality. And so it's tough for him to kind of show like frustration and emotion, but I think we're starting to see like the boiling point with him. Hmm. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. We asked Fox about it too, and he said like like he's fine. We'll we're good with him. We just want him to keep shooting and just keep doing what he's doing. But I'm going to also point out there's a there's a huge difference between being the number one option on your college team and your number one option on a summer league team and getting all of this like wide open stuff, even on the second team this year for the Kings, like he had more opportunity when you transition from that to the fourth or fifth option in the starting lineup, it gets difficult. Like this is a guy who, if you look at his college stats, he was like in the 97th or 98th percentile amongst all college players in scoring around the basket he's absolutely incredible at the rim well he doesn't get that opportunity in Sacramento we've seen it a couple of times lately where it's like okay let's try to feed him to see if we can get him going and it's like he's a little off and he hasn't done it for a while but he's a really confident player who's just struggling and I think he'll be all right and I don't like all these fans calling for him to go to the bench like who do you honestly have that you could put in instead of him and and not disrupt everything. If you're going to take Malik Monk off the bench where he's has, has all this opportunity and thrust him in the starting lineup, well then either Barnes or Herder or Monk are now a fifth option, and that's not great either. So, they'll ride it out with him.
2: Okay. I've 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 got I've got questions. Um let's get to Ramsey though. 916-909-1320. What's happening, Ramsey? Not too much.
1: Hope you gentlemen had a great holiday. And James sparked me to call in
7: because I highly agree with him with DeAndre Ayton.
1: I saw DeAndre Ayton play when he was in college at Arizona. I've seen him play in person when they played at Stanford. And he didn't impress me. And he to me, his game, I feel, was mediocre and has not really improved much. And I agree with James that they, that there's probably eight to ten centers in the league that are better than DeAndre Ayton.
2: Okay. Well, told you I'm, okay all right I'm not getting <laughs> into this with either one of you and and, I, and I'll say is what Ramsey When Ramsey talking about you know Arizona I didn't get it I didn't understand how during the course of a season in which uh you know his his team gets eliminated I think on opening night of the tournament I didn't get the DeAndre Ayton thing at all and I thought okay it's a big get someone in there who could work with him. I, I, You know, you talk about the development. I disagree with Ramsey a little bit in the fact that I do think he's developed through his career. But I think a big reason he's developed is Chris Paul. If yeah. they had never gotten Chris Paul, I don't know what DeAndre Ayton would be.
6: No, I think he would have been in a very similar situation as as Marvin Bagley if they wouldn't have gone out and traded for for Chris Paul. I mean, he... But again, what happened with that is Chris Paul converted him into the exact center that he needed, mm-hmm. right? But he's very good at doing that. Well, he He is. did it with
2: Blake. He did it with Clint Capella. Yeah, but— DeAndre Jordan.
6: Those guys go on and, like— what if Chris Paul isn't there? Is he? Is he the same impactful player without? You guys Chris worry Paul? that
2: worry about that after they sign their contract. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Later. They can they can
6: worry about that later. Uh, I totally agree with you, uh, but you understand what I'm saying. Like no, it's I one do. thing to like to I, play I with the greatest point guard in the last 30 years, and it's a whole other thing when he's not there anymore, or yeah. he's starting to slow down, and or he's not playing nearly as many minutes, and he's not as impactful. And you know, it's again like and to a much lesser degree. Look at what Rashawn Holmes looks like today. Look what Rashawn Holmes looked like with Tyrese Halliburton. Like when you have a natural guy who can set you up for, for lobs and that's sort of what you do, it makes you look really good. And then when you don't, uh, it, the struggle is real. I mean, look at the players that Tyrese Halliburton is making in Indiana because it's happening. You're seeing players being created there with, you know, uh, whether it's Miles uh, or it's, you know, some uh, Isaiah uh, Jackson, you know, he's like, he's making these players so much better on a daily basis because of the way he he plays. And that's not a knock on De'Aaron Fox, because De'Aaron Fox and Domas are having the same effect with each other. But they're also making guys like Kevin Herter better. And they're like wide open looks for guys like Harrison Barnes and all this stuff. So Like, it's just a different dynamic and how you're creating players, but specifically the pick and roll style of player. Like, Tyrese Halliburton is always going to have to have one of those. He's always going to have to have a a rim runner like Miles
2: Turner or, you know, or Rashawn Holmes. I have a question about that. I also want to get back to Keegan Murray. So, we're going to do all of that as we return here. Uh, James Hamm sitting in for Kennedy Careways, Dilo and KC here on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN 1320.
3: And KC continues, streaming live on the Odyssey app.
2: Live on the Odyssey app, live on twitch.tv slash ESPN1320, youtube.com slash ESPN1320. 1320 Kings Insider, James Ham, kind enough to hang out with us here uh, today. KC's off uh, with the new addition in the family. The, uh, the 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 family's enjoying a couple of days here. Uh, let's get to our family members. And I don't I, I, I got Keegan questions. I've got Rashawn questions, because you said something there that, it, it it sent my antennas up a second ago, James, but let's get to our brother Mitch here. Mitch in New Jersey. What's happening, Mitch?
1: How we doing, Damon? Ramsey. Happy holidays to both of you. N-
2: no, it's not Ram it's it's James. I thought he said Ramsey. No, Ramsey was no. What what what, 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 what that, 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 Thank you. That's that was, that was a, it, it, it. Ramsey's kind of part of the show, just like you're part of the show, Mitch.
1: And Casey, if you're listening, I doubt it. Uh, go, look, go love with the baby. God bless all the blessings. What's the baby's name? I didn't catch the, uh, in the, the show. The, the baby
2: uh, Caraway. There we go.
1: What's the first name?
2: The baby Caraway. <laughs> that, 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 he ha, he hasn't tweeted the name out there, so I'm just the name is the baby Caraway for now. That's being respectful.
1: Okay. All the blessings, and I hope
2: Say it, Mitch. Okay? Say the baby right. Caraway.
1: Healthy baby Carraway. Okay. I Close hope. Enough. Hey, what I think, uh, hey, I think can, can, you can put in uh, Anthony Davis, LeBron James as a center. I think LeBron should finish his career as a center. Maybe better than uh, baby uh, a- a- Aiton there. And um, one guy I wish they would have taken over Keegan, and I think you'll agree with me, Damon, but wait, I know you. Um, Benedict Matherin. I think he's having a better year already. He's not starting yet. He's having a heck
2: of a What do you think? No, I I, I I, love you, Mitch, for so many reasons. Uh, I love Benedict Matherin's game. We're going to get a chance to see him um, up close and personal on, on, on Wednesday. But, yeah, he's having a, a, a phenomenal rookie year. Um, he's a player I really, really like. I remember we
6: talked about him during pre-draft and what he did in the tournament where he just backpacked his team. He said, okay, let's go. Yeah. That was incredible, and, like, for me, um, he was – there's this group of players in this draft that you just didn't know how they will translate. He kind of started seeping into that top five, that top six, where you're like, okay, I really, really like him. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked him. I like Dyson Daniels, um, but there there was a group of players here that I think really could have – Dyson's not one I've been following. Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that say that. Like, I not followed him at all. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I, I think it's just interesting to see this draft class. Is, it's turning out to be really pretty solid. Uh, yeah. You know, Of course, you've got Chet, who's going to be out for the year, so we won't know what he's like, and, and Jabari's all over the board. Paolo is that dude. Keegan is a little all over the board right now, uh, but there, there are some dudes. Yeah, Paolo's that dude. And that was like I watched him play at the Final Four live, and I thought, oh, man, he's that dude. Like he was really good, and you knew right away he might not be the best player in this draft. But in the first three years, there was no one who's going to be anywhere remotely close to as good as he was. Yeah, and-
2: Trista said something similar when she saw him. It, it, like when you when you see LeBron, like you know, like LeBron is a different. He is a physically imposing. Like he's just a very different looking human being. Yeah, she said she had the same feeling the first time she saw Paolo. It was just he's built very very different uh and the way that he plays like he's a he's 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 a he's an NBA tree like he he's something to watch for years to come
6: yeah because uh, what kept happening in the tournament especially in the final four was Baycock was like dominating every team getting every rebound getting every putback, and then they shifted uh Paolo onto him after Mark Williams got in foul trouble and that's when I was like oh Okay, you do have the toughness, you do have the physicality that people keep questioning to go out there and body somebody and, you know, play in the post and and keep somebody off the out of the, the, you know, the restricted area. like, is he going to be great on the perimeter defending? No. Um, But most young players aren't anyways. And so I I think he's going to be spectacular. He's going to be a really fun player to watch for a long time.
2: Uh, since we we're talking about Matherin in there, um, let's stay with Indiana just for a second, as we're going to see them uh, on Wednesday at the Golden One Center in a game I fully expect to be sold out and very very loud. Mm-hmm. You were you you talked about you know we were talking about Aiton and Chris Paul. That's kind of where this started, and how Chris Paul has elevated DeAndre Aiton. And although Aiton you know has been playing really really well in the absence of Chris Paul, just overall in his career. Chris Paul helped elevate him as as a talent. and There were comparisons to Rashawn and Tyrese. So let's go into some bizarro world here for a second where Sabonis is here and Tyrese is here. Is Rashawn in a different place if, again, Sabonis is still here, but Tyrese is here and we'll say, you know, Tyrese is here instead of De'Aaron. Do we all – do we believe Rashawn is in a different place than he's in right now because it's Tyrese and not De'Aaron? Maybe. I
6: don't know. But the reason why
2: Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis
6: work together, and even though maybe they didn't work perfectly together, the reason why they work together is because Turner can hit the three. I mean right now he's shooting 43 percent from from three. And for his career, he's a thirty-five point two percent shooter from three, and we're not talking about like one or two attempts per game. You know, he's averaged over four attempts a game the last three years coming into this year, and he's averaging three point six this year. So he's a different player. Uh, he's also a guy who's leading the league in in block shots. So uh, you can put Miles Turner on the list of players that I think are better than DeAndre Ayton at the center position. Again, better three point shooter, uh, equal scorer, maybe a better scorer, not quite as good rebounder, but it's the the uh, block shots. I, I if he's available, this is crazy. But if Aiton is a, I mean, if uh, if Miles Turner is available, mm-hmm. why not? Because why? If you're the Kings, that's sort of the guy that you need. If you can put those two back together, and I know people say, oh, it didn't work there. It didn't work there because of the other players around them, because of the injury issues that they had. They didn't have a speed point guard. Like Fox, can they? Could they work together again? Maybe they could, and I'm intrigued by him. I've always been intrigued by him as a player. Uh, even when the Kings passed on him to take Willie Coley Stein, um,
2: yeah, of it, the Vipers. Yeah, probably. I, I believe Willie Coley Stein is of the Vipers now.
6: Of the Vipers. Yeah, I, I think there's a he has that tattoo of of the, of the Vipers. Well, it works. I like
2: Willie. He's a he's a, he's a unique spirit. He is. Don't um, you think those conversations have already been had though? Miles Turner conversations, given that these two teams did pretty big business together last year, you think that's something that they talked about? Or do you think is, hey, we'll re- maybe we'll revisit this if you guys don't make a move. But do you think a Miles Turner acquisition was something that they talked about last year? Or does the Miles Turner potential, Miles Turner acquisition for Sacramento make more sense now that you have Kevin Herter and Malik Monk?
6: Yeah. Uh, you know, I-, I think that the Kings have had conversations with everybody about everything. I mean that's sort of the game right now. It's they are, they've got their finger in so many pies. It's kind of you know you're trying to figure out that's what gross. makes sense. <laughs> just well, walking around putting. Their it's it's a saying. It's a saying, man. Who <laughs> oh, walks around putting
2: their fingers in pies? <laughs> I just don't know why we've got to do that. Uh, Who's eating that pie after Monty's <laughs> just stuck his fingers in it? Yeah. Uh, but And then there's awful, the awful American pie visual that it now. There you go.
6: Mind. There we go. Wow, you went sideways there. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's more of a mobster thing. You know, you got a piece <laughs> of a bunch of, yeah. So <laughs> uh, it, I think the one thing about Miles Turner, too, he's, a, he's an unrestricted free agent this summer. If you really love him, then maybe you chase him then um, if you think it would work. And, like, the person I would go to and see if they think it would work is DeMontis Sabonis? Would it work? Yeah, Would it I feel work? like
2: that's conversation number one.
6: Yeah, I mean, just look look around the room. Would it work with what we have here? You've seen how he plays. Um, but again, I think that he's proven that he might be a guy who plays much better with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and that speaks volumes about Halliburton. Halliburton is an exceptional player. He does make everyone around him better. Now, whether that that's going to lead to championships or... All star appearances or anything else. What it will lead to is, I mean, he's leading the league in assists by almost two assists per game. Um, you know, he's a very, very good setup man who makes his teammates better, and uh, and the Kings knew that, uh, but they also knew that it's really hard to have two guys that are ball dominant players, whole, you know, who work in the same
2: backcourt. First conversation with Miles Turner goes to Demontis Sabonis. Just like if there's a conversation about. John Collins, the first person you talk to is Kevin Herder. What's this look like?
6: Yeah, see, that's another question, right? Yeah, like I, I mean, I think that that would be a really, really because Herder is a straight shooter. Yeah. He's he's going to be straight up and, and give you like he could probably give you like an entire dossier. Um, he's one of those guys.
2: So I want to get back to something like we, we, we talked about it briefly earlier, and you kind of mentioned something and glossed past it a little bit. So I I, I want to go back to it. We were talking about the struggles of Keegan Murray. He said even you know De'Aaron and and I think there was a clip of Mike Brown over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you know, essentially we're not concerned about it, which is hundred percent the the absolute right thing to say. Uh, but let's point a couple of things out. Um he's had single digit points in four of the last five games and eight of the last eleven. But he scored double digit points in the first five games of the season, four of which he came off the bench. Now, with people asking about yeah, you know, or 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 suggesting what if you put Keegan back on the bench, maybe it's more effective there. I, I think there's a number of things to consider was you know is Keegan Murray being on the bench the reason the team was zero and four? Because he comes in and you know they he's in the starting lineup. They he plays different, but the team is winning. That's probably a stretch, but it's a fair question to ask. Uh, why so quick to say no? You can't put Keegan Murray back on the bench because you said who and you you talked about disrupting things. Couldn't you just go back to Kazi Akpala? I, I I mean I guess in theory yes you could um but I think it doesn't affect his minutes like we because in those first four games Keegan played a ton of minutes it's not like he was playing he was probably playing more minutes then than he is now in his recent struggles so you know it's not that he's he's still on the floor he's still on the floor at key moments is if he's if he's playing well you're still using KZ Akpala in the starting lineup relatively sparingly why do you think it wouldn't or let me not let me not ask you why you think it wouldn't work why do you think that's not a direction they should look at Okay, so I'll answer it this way. Like, first of all, I don't think anyone is saying,
6: like, what their solution is for Keegan Murray in the starting lineup. There, what I've seen is a lot of people saying, "Oh, you got to bench him. You got to bench him." Mm-hmm. So it's not that you've got to bench him because somebody else is playing better. It's you've got to bench him because he's not playing well. And I mean, so those are slightly different distinctions, right? And like there isn't someone who's like jumped up and been so incredibly impressive that they need to go to some other direction. And I guess we can point to even like a Terrence Davis at this starting as a starting Mm -hmm. small forward and sliding Harrison Barnes over. But then like who else loses in that because someone else will lose in that, you know, conversation. Someone else is going to have to go to the bench because Terrence Davis wasn't part of the rotation before Um, either way. Like, I think you're at a really delicate position with Keegan Murray where confidence is an issue and you don't want to have a kid lose his confidence completely. Um, I think that maybe he would be better suited coming off the bench because he would get more opportunities. But even that in itself is like what kind of confidence, you know, how much more confidence can you take from somebody and would moving him to the bench in this situation like hurt him? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the solution is, and it's kind of, you know, it, it's funny. Fans clamor for him to start. Oh, he's got to start. He's got to start. He's got to start. Then he doesn't. He starts and he does really good initially, but then he starts to fade. And now fans are clamoring for him to go to the bench. And like so, there's always, and that's why it's best that Mike Brown makes these decisions. We can talk about them. And not we can, Kings fan three two nine seven one on yes, Twitter. Yes, exactly. It should not be him or one of the other many people that like come at you. Like, hey, he's got to go to the bench. It's like I don't know what the answer is. Like, you have to. It's probably just play through it, isn't it? It's play through it. Most likely, it's just to like try to keep boosting his confidence. Try to get him involved early. But then you also have to get Harrison Barnes involved early, and we're still talking about the fact that DeMondis Sabonis doesn't shoot enough shots. And, you know, so there's always going to be this balance where someone is left out behind. And, you know, I know you guys love Terrence Davis and wish he played 25 minutes a game every night, maybe more. Um, well, but at the same time, like there are certain games where it's not going to work.
2: Yeah. I, and we do love Terrence Davis, but I, I also wish he was as effective as he was against Brooklyn every night. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, 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 and Terrence, unfortunately, is in one of those positions where if if you're not having in and, and obviously, the Brooklyn is the extreme case. But if you're not having a, a, a really good night, you're probably going to be short on the minutes list. Yeah. Like it, you, you know the the and, and this is one thing I actually really really like about Mike Brown that we've seen through the first part of this season is if you're playing well, he's going to play you. Like he's not, hey, I'm going to put Terrence in for a couple of minutes so so and so can rest and then I'm going to take him out no matter what. It's like, all right, we've let's let's, let's make a move here. Hey, TD, get in there, uh, do what you got to do, get, get get in there. And if Terrence plays well or uh, any you know any player in his pos- plays well, they stay there. They stay out there, and and Mike runs with it. He goes with the hot hand, which is something, one, I think it speaks to the closeness of this team. That you can you can it it can vary on a night to night basis. It can be Malik and you know Trey. You mentioned the 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 uh, Atlanta game where where Malik Monk and Trey Lyles had had really big nights. Trey's kind of in the similar boat to Terrence Davis, where yeah. if it's not really working for him, he's not going to play that night. There was consecutive games, and I can't remember which ones they were. He played twenty nine minutes one night, and then I think he played four and a half the next game. Yeah, and that's that's like hey yo, I'm gonna ride the hot hand, and I I think I I, I love that. Style of coaching. I love that non-robotic way of. Oh, it's six minutes left. Get Terrence out and put, you know, Kevin Herder back in or, or Harrison or whoever.
6: This is why I kept telling everyone they have, like, it's either going to be an eight and a half or nine and a half man rotation, and like, there's going to be someone who loses. There's going to be two players that share a bench position. And, and it can be two totally different players. And at this point, you're right. It's probably Trey Lyles and, and Terrence Davis. Like, if one of them is hot in the first half, they're going to get a second look. If one of them has a horrible first half, maybe they don't get a second look, especially if it's bad on the defensive end. If it's just missing shots, mm-hmm. which Trey Lyles has done that a couple of times where he started off slow, and then all of a sudden in the third quarter he heats up, and you're like, okay, this this is working. Mike
2: uh, Will Ride miss shots, though.
6: Yeah, he will. Yeah, he won't yeah.
2: ride a missed defensive assignment.
6: Exactly. Yeah. No, he won't allow that. And that's where I think Terrence, more often than not, has been the guy who walks onto the court and the first thing he does is miss a defensive assignment. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a focus thing. It's not and then a, Mike calls timeout. <laughs> and then Mike calls a timeout and says, hey, look, man, you do it again and I'm not going to play you the rest of the night it It's one of those things where um he is he needs to make sure he's walking into a game like mentally ready
2: to go every single time Keegan's made two shots in the last three games,
6: yeah, it's not great, Bob, mm. yeah,
2: I mean it is what it is you're hoping he's he one of, out of it is that, he's one of eight twice. And then oh yeah. five in between. Like it is three points. And uh,
6: yeah, his three pointers are bad.
2: I don't know. I I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the answer is. Past play through it. Um, I man,
6: think that's the, tough. The answer Jeez. is to if you're his teammate is to keep putting your arm around him. And I asked Aaron Fox about this today. I said, "You're a guy who is like outwardly said you were not good as a rookie. He has said that multiple times, especially when it came to." Tyrese Halliburton, he always said like, man, Tyrese is so much better than I was as a rookie. I said, have you put your arm around him and said, hey, you know, I had these struggles too. And he said, yeah, like we're all having conversations. And the key is to not let somebody lose their confidence because if they lose their confidence and they stop shooting, then that's even worse. Like we need him to keep shooting. We need him to keep trying to do what he usually does. And eventually he'll lock back in and, and he'll find his way.
2: It's probably important too to be kind of sporadic with those conversations as well. Like you don't want to inundate him with, you know, De'Aaron said this, Sabona said this, um, Mike says this, Doug says this, Jay says this. It's like okay, it's almost like you got a quick huddle. Who wants to talk to Keegan today? Because we you don't you don't want to have a bunch of because that probably adds an extra layer of pressure to him, and that's just. The absolute last thing that you want for him to deal with, because I think that's been one of the that's one of the good things uh, about this team. Obviously, you know the last two losses are are are, are pretty tough, but you know perhaps Keegan hits a shot and against Atlanta, things can can swing in a direction. But no one's pointing at the Atlanta loss, going, "Man, if Keegan had just done this, it would have been different." No one's looking at Keegan Murray as if he's the reason behind a thirty-six to four run that the Boston Celtics went on. So you you have you have a lot of leeway with him, because one of the pluses to Keegan Murray was supposed to be there's not going to be a ton of pressure on him. That pressure's on De'Aaron Fox's shoulders. It's on Demontis Sabonis's shoulders. It's on Mike Brown's shoulders. Kevin Herter has performed well. He's on the pecking order above Keegan Murray. Malik Monk, you could probably make the argument that he is too, and that's that creates a, a that should create a less stressful environment for Keegan Murray, as frustrated as he may be with his play, having too me too many people in his ear could be equally as problematic.
6: Yeah, I mean, you want someone to feel comfortable and to have like honest discussions with people. Um and I'll point out Trey Lyles has been ruled out for tonight with a non COVID related uh illness. Mm. Um so he is not available. Chimo Moneki is questionable with a right uh, with right side thornis uh eh. Not Thornis. There we go. And then uh Keon Ellis and Namias Kato are both on G-, G League assignments. But um yeah We're I gonna mean, talk
2: about Namias Kato by the way. Yeah. I'm just putting that out there in the universe.
6: You don't want to like freak out about K- it. it's almost like the same thing with KZ Akpala. Like whatever Kaziak Paula got you on the offensive end was like bonus. It was like found money, right? And I think people forget that, like, sure, he gave you like really good defensive moments, but it was also because you were able to put him on like a variety of players. I don't think we've seen a ton of horrible moments from Keegan Murray on the defensive end. I think overall he's been solid. And that's kind of one of the the interesting pieces to him is that he kind of just blends in to whatever's happening he'll figure it out and you just have to like keep bolstering him keep making sure that I, like even like today I'm not sure that if I'm media that I would have said yeah we you know you can talk to Keegan um make us wait for him after a game or something and and
2: Was Keegan available this morning?
6: Yeah yeah we talked to Keegan oh. uh yeah we talked to him this morning and but I, I don't know that like, again, I think he's in his own head a little bit. And, you know, he's a young guy and things aren't going well. He's got the off the court stuff with his grandma. Um, I know his dad was uh, with them on the trip, uh, which is really, really good for him uh, to have that family support. But he's kind of been on an island and it's really tough. People forget, like, you know, DeMarcus Cousins came to Sacramento. He didn't know he didn't have his driver's license. Nick Stauskas came to Sacramento, didn't have his driver's license. They had to teach him how to drive in the old Arco parking lot. Like these are kids. They've never paid an apartment bill. They've never paid for PG&E or a cell phone bill on their own or anything else. Like there's so much going on in their head that when things go bad on the court, which is usually their safe space,
2: it snowballs super quick. So I think he'll be fine. Okay. Um, Let's hope he uh, Bees fine tonight because with Trey Lyles out, it feels like they're gonna they're gonna need someone uh, to step in. You mentioned Keon Ellis and Nemias Kata I want to talk more specifically uh, about Namius uh and we'll do that. I also want to talk more uh, about Demontis Sabonis and uh, De'Aaron Fox. We'll do all of that when we return here. James Ham sitting in for KC. It's dealing with KC here on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN thirteen twenty. <laughs> D-Lo and KC
3: continues, streaming live on the Odyssey app.
2: It's always funny when James says and Lanny Popo was his favorite wrestler growing up. Like, literally no one on the planet says that except for you.
6: I don't know. I, I liked him. I, I liked the British Bulldogs.
2: Okay, that's a, that's, a, that's a little bit more understandable. Yep. But it's still very funny when you do that. Like, you, your favorite wrestler was Macho Man's brother. I, I just love it. I, I, I love it. Absolutely love it to death. Uh, you can watch the show. Uh, James Ham here with us. Casey taking a couple of days off, uh, celebrating the baby caraway, which arrived uh, over this weekend. Make sure you're sending uh, some love to Kenny and Jazz on social media at I M K Diddy. He'll be back with us later this week. Obviously, it's a a big week for the Sacramento Kings as they'll take on the Phoenix Suns tonight. And then the much-anticipated matchup with the Indiana Pacers coming up on Wednesday. And, you know, all Tyrese and Buddy lines aside, prior to Thanksgiving, these were the two hottest teams in the league, or two of the hottest teams in the league. They certainly had the two longest win streaks uh, entering that Wednesday night when the Kings played Atlanta. I think the uh, Pacers finally lost on Friday. And... These are two really good teams that, you know, I you know, there's questions about if the Pacers are real. I very much feel like the Pacers are real. I think what they're doing is sustainable, especially, you know, I, I don't know that they're a they're not in the class of Philly and, and, and Boston and Milwaukee and, and, and that group up there, but they're certainly a potential top eight team, a six seven eight team.
6: Yeah, they they kind of remind me a little bit of the uh, the smoke and mirrors thirty nine one team of the Kings, okay. like like I think that that team they're like is is their base strong enough and I think they're really good. They're fun, they're exciting. They're you know sort of what you want from like a a lower middle of the pack team, right? Um, if you're going to be bad in the NBA. Uh, you might as well be exciting. And right now they're proving that they're probably a little bit better than that. Um, But, you know, again, this is a huge, huge long season
2: and, you know, we're not at the quarter mark. Right. Um, so, so you don't think this is sustainable for them? Cause it, the, the, I mean, obviously the, the 39 win, I mean, I mean, it's a different time now in the NBA, but the 39 win team didn't amount to anything except Dave Yeager's firing. Do, do you. That's what you see this Pacers team as, like something's not really going to amount to anything.
6: Well, no, I mean, I, I don't know that they're going to be a team that wins in the first round of the playoffs. And oh, uh, I got. You. And I also don't know if that they're going to be the the seven seed or if they're going to be like a a 10, 11 seed that mm-hmm. you know may or may not get in is fighting. Like you don't know how it's all going to play out in the end. And and I think that they've got some nice pieces, especially with Matherin stepping up. And yeah. uh, but I mean you're relying on that you're relying on a rookie uh you're relying on buddy healed um and him being locked in for an entire season you're relying on rick carlisle who is one of the best x's and o's coaches in the league he's an exceptional coach but you're relying on him not like going postal at some point during the season and just like uh, like when when buddy goes buddy so like, which I think he did the other night. Yeah, I think he had a
2: you know he had one of the and this is I'm not Buddy's played really well this season. Yeah, but he had one of those like two of thirteen nights. Oh the yeah, other night. like he, I, he I had, remember those. He had yeah. he had one and like I think he's had <laughs> I think he's had a couple of those this year, but he had one you know the other night that and and I think that was actually the game that ended their win streak. Um, but Buddy has played really well. I also wonder. You will know this significantly better than I do. Rick Carlisle, obviously a a, a veteran NBA coach, um, strong personality. You really got to know your you got to know your roster, right? You got to know your guys' personalities. Because Buddy's probably not one of those guys you want to go Rick Carlisle on because you could lose him.
6: Yeah, I mean Rick Carlisle has always been extremely hard on his point guards. Now he's got Halliburton, who, number one, is performing. Greatest like, point guard of all time. Yeah, I mean, he's performing extremely well. But on top of that, um, he'll take the heat for a lot of others. Like, he's one of those guys who— Rick Carlisle will? No, Halliburton Ty- will. Tyrese will. Yeah, Ty- Tyrese can deflect. He He's a really bright kid, and he's like a joy to be around. He is a very fun dude. And so I, I would like to see with that dynamic how that's developing— um, because, you know, this is a guy that, you know, was really hard on guys like Jason Kidd, really hard on Darren Collison. I remember him, him and Darren Collison just had a complete falling out and he just like sent him away. Mm-hmm. And Darren Collison in Sacramento was one of the easiest dudes to talk to and friendliest guys off the court, like in the locker room that you're going to run into. Now, he had his off the court stuff, which was an issue. But in the locker room, it, you know, he wasn't a guy that, uh, that you usually would think would have problems with a head coach. And he had all kinds of problems there. Um, and even I, I think Luca, like there was a point where mm-hmm. Rick Carlisle just said, like, I, I, I know you're going to choose him over me, so I can't do this. Yeah. And so I, I think it's interesting stuff, but um, I, I want to see where this team is at, at the 60 game mark, this, this Indiana team. And are they a team that moves on from miles Turner? Are they a team that continues to build around him? Uh, will they risk losing him for nothing? And you know those pieces like that can have a really, really impactful, you know, effect on an entire
2: organization. Talking to Will Z earlier, um, and, and I think you mentioned this that the Suns, the the, the King's opponent tonight, um, they, they're a top ranked offense. And I don't remember the exact numbers. If you is it's like third and fifth in terms of offense and defensive. Third range. and fourth. Third yeah. and fourth. That's ridiculous. So yeah. I who do you think is the primary focus of a team's defense? Like when you look at like a Boston the other night and um, Phoenix tonight, is it De'Aaron or is it Domas?
6: Oh, I, I think it's Domas. And I think we've seen teams starting to throw doubles at Domas to like cause him to, you know, to Close down his passing lanes more than it is to stop him in the post, right? You know, so
2: that's what I was going to ask. It's less to do about what he can create offensively versus De'Aaron Fox, and more to do what he can, how he can create offensively for everyone else on the floor. Y- yeah, but I mean,
6: I think that's the biggest thing with the Kings that you have to look out for. They have so many players that are are passing the ball well, you know. So we look at Domas, who's averaging over right around six assists a game, right? Mm-hmm. But this is a team that's averaging, you know, 26 assists per game. So he's one of where, again, if you want to if you want to hurt the Indiana Pacers, you stop Tyrese Halliburton in the pick and roll, and you know you stop him from creating for others. And who else is really going to hurt you on that team as far as a setup man? Um, you stop the Kings. You stop. Deer and Fox. You still have Sabonis. You stop Sabonis. You still have Fox. You still have Herder, who's averaging over three assists a game. You have Monk, who can get you eight or nine assists on any game. They're creators for themselves, but for others. And so, I think that's what has made this Kings team so difficult so far. This even, even in their losses, they're still putting up twenty six, twenty seven assists, and mm-hmm. that's incredible. Yeah. yeah, it's nuts.
2: I didn't know prior to the signing how good of a distributor malik monk was yeah that was just not something that stood out to me in in los angeles last year like he is a he's a tremendous he's a really really good distributor for the starting he, unit and for the second unit
6: yeah i'll tell you this assist percentage the indiana pacers have moved ahead of the sacramento kings to number 2 behind the warriors and they explain kings,
2: that real quick that's the percentage of of uh, i think
6: it's percentage uh, of baskets Ass- yeah assisted yeah 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 um and, but again like it's just a turnover ratio uh the Suns are like second in the league in this turnover ratio the kings are fifth uh indiana is down around number nine which is fine um yeah I, I mean like look this is a team that like if you're looking at the indiana pacers they can they're primarily going to be chewing the pick and roll and it's going to be and but they're really good at it mm-hmm. and and again halliburton His ability to create for others is is elite. We've known that. We saw it firsthand here. And, like, look, Halliburton could have been here for 15 years. He could have been a multi-time all-star in Sacramento. It just, at some point, like, this is one of the few trades that I'll point out, seems to have worked for both teams. And you have to lock up Sabonis long-term to make it really work for the Kings as a long-term proposition. Just for a reminder for
2: everyone, that's not happening anytime soon.
6: Yeah. I mean, you got to wait until uh, after next offseason. Uh, into not this off season but the following one, you're gonna have to wait and you're gonna have
2: to go he's into it. He's Going but. to become a free agent, like you, you. He's not gonna sign an extension during the year. Like, yeah. he's going to become a free agent.
6: Yeah, exactly. And, and I'll also say this: like for people who say, "Well, you know, you know, Tyrese just makes everyone better," and what does Fox do? If you don't think Fox makes everyone better by his ability to collapse the lane, then you're not just not watching the game.
2: I was really hoping the first, like, what are we, 19 games into the season kind of deaded that noise. I thought it was—I yeah. think it's pretty clear that it, it, De'Aaron can make— we, we, we posed this question earlier. Are you willing to acknowledge, is De'Aaron Fox all of a sudden making players better? Or does he have a group of better players around him— who looks significant. So when he finds Kevin Herter open in the corner and Kevin Herter hits the three versus hitting the side of the backboard, is that De'Aaron Fox making Kevin Herter better? Like, we get into this thing with making players better, making players better. The, the offense is what makes all of these guys look good. And De'Aaron and Domas are the key points of this offense. And the fact that there are a number of talented individuals on the floor like you said this to start the season, there are NBA players on the floor with De'Aaron Fox now. Not Buddy Heald and a group of individuals who are out of the league now, but a group of NBA players, and maybe that's contributing to, and the same is true in Indiana for Tyrese. That's why these guys all of a sudden, oh, they're making these guys better. No, there are better players around them. I, I totally agree. I mean, like we always talked about,
6: you know, when it came to Luke Walton, I, I wasn't making excuses as much. As I was just like spelling out the fact that like his second team, the second year that he was a head coach of this team, they won 30 went 31 games out of out of 72. They were on pace basically to win 35 games um, like that team has so many players that are no longer in the NBA. And, I mean, we can add to that group, but you start the season and you're ro- – I mean, again, Nemanja Pialica is no longer in the N- NBA. Kyle Guy, Mo Harkless, uh, Justin James, Daquan Jeffries, uh, Lou the King. Louis the King! Uh, Jabari Parker, hmm. um, Jalen Ramsey, Glenn Robinson III, uh, Hassan Whiteside, Robert Woodard. Good God, man. Like – Chris Silva isn't in the NBA that I know of. Uh, I don't even remember Norville.
2: Chris Silva being on the Kings. They <laughs> traded
6: for Chris Silva. He was part of uh, the deal um, when they picked up uh, – when they traded Nemanja for Mo Harkless. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, like, my point is that, like – Lucky us. You, you can blame Luke Walton for not winning more than 31 games, but you also, like – Look around. You can't give a guy like three ingredients and expect a gourmet meal. I mean, uh, he's got to be a great chef and, and not just a great, a great chef, but he's got to be the greatest chef in the world and, and be able to figure it out perfectly. And and even still,
2: like it's, he's only got three ingredients and it's not just three ingredients. It's like flour, mustard, and chia seeds, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like three ingredients that don't go together. Exactly. Like, that's all he's got.
6: And then I would add to that. Like we keep saying that about, I, I kept saying about Luke. Walton, well, well. We have to say the same thing about De'Aaron Fox. Mm. He had to play with those players as well. He, you take the fastest point guard in the league and you go get him Hassan Whiteside who likes to stand in the middle of the key and put his seven foot nine wingspan out wide and say, throw me the ball. That's his offensive move. So like, it really is hard for me to like be completely harsh on a player who doesn't develop when you don't put players around him that can help him get better. So I think that's one good thing about we talked about Keegan Murray and his struggles. You have players that will continuously try to get him better, who are better and can show him how to be better. Where like, what are you going to do with Fox? Mm-hmm. Like in that situation, a 22 year old De'Aaron Fox, like, hey, you're not making us any better. It's like, are you kidding me? You you literally went out in free agency and signed Hassan Whiteside. I'm and Glenn sorry, Robinson I didn't make
2: Glenn Robinson and Jabari Parker better.
6: That's right. Jabari.
2: That's right. Poor yeah. Jabari Parker. He was supposed to change the whole league. You're listening to D'Lo and Casey on KIFM West Sacramento, 98.5 FM, Carrix, QHD, 2 Sacramento, ESPN, 1320, driven by Lashers, Elk Grove, Dodge. always live on the free Odyssey app, our 1320 Kings insider and creator of the Kings beat, James Ham, sitting in with me today. Casey's off. He should be back with us uh, later in the week. 916 um, 909 Thirteen twenty. if you want to get in. We'll talk about some of the uh, exciting football we saw this weekend. Uh, nothing in the college game. We're just going to choose to ignore that here uh, for the next couple of weeks. Um, let's stick with the Kings, though, here for another heartbeat or so. Uh, De'Aaron Fox spoke with uh, Chris Haynes over the weekend. Of course, he announced that uh, they've got a little one on – him and his wife have a, a, a little one on the way, but he spoke in-depthly about – signing with clutch sports who made that announcement official today as well. And it's the first thing, uh, in the article was trying to, and he kind of pointed this out to you too, a few weeks ago of, of why the move was made. And it's like, I, I don't have any intention on leaving Sacramento. Like I love Sacramento. I think he even correlated it to Kentucky and the fan base and how he loves his interaction, uh, with the fans. But when, You know, that story we put out a couple of weeks ago, you know, hit the different NBA sites. It was going to the Lakers, LeBron and De'Aaron Fox, the trade's getting done. And it seemed like his first order of business, once this was official, official was to, yeah, that's not happening. That's not what I did this for. I did it for a variety of reasons, and none of them have anything to do with leaving Sacramento.
6: Well, yeah, that and, you know, like it's a delicate situation for Fox, too, because— him and Chris Gaston have been really close forever. Like this is like his trainer in high school. um, That was his agent. And so this was, he called it that night. He called it a level up. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not just about basketball. De'Aaron Fox is going to make, what's he make? 30 million this year, 32 next, 34, the next 37, the year after that, something like that. Um, It's not about basketball side. It's about, I mean, De'Aaron Fox has worn Converse. He's worn Under Armour this year. Currently wearing Under Armour. He's currently wearing Under Armour. He's literally testing out shoes. The fact that De'Aaron Fox does not have a shoe contract right now is absolutely incredible. And that's what this is about. It's about making him more marketable everywhere. So, you know, he's not left behind while all these other players from his generation, from his draft class and the years around him, are getting all this fanfare because they're playing in bigger markets or they're getting television commercials and stuff and Fox isn't and so that's what this is about it's about like doing what's right for him during his career while he's marketable while he can go out and make additional money and set himself up and his family for generations and like more power to him he doesn't want to leave sacramento i've talked to him since he was a kid he's always been like no nope, this is perfect spot for me i'm good this is this is what was right for me at the time he wants to win And that's always going to be something that's that weighs on him. But I would say that if there's going to come a time where he's not in Sacramento, it's very specific that the team has no chance of of getting back, of getting to the playoffs, of getting anywhere. And it's proven time and time again, they lose free agents They, you know, it becomes a snowball effect where you can see that it's just not going to happen here and it's going to be a reboot again. That's where you would see him like
2: say, okay, maybe. Um, But for right now, like he loves it here. And it's worth pointing out, Ben Simmons wanted out of Philadelphia. I don't know that Rich Paul necessarily wanted Ben Simmons out of Philadelphia. Like, Ben Simmons didn't want to be a part of that anymore. Rich Paul facilitated it. The Anthony Davis-Lakers thing, you can feel however you want to about that, but I don't think that's a move that Rich Paul was just like, all right, AD, you're signing with Clutch, we're getting you out of New Orleans. I don't think that's the case either. An agent's job is to act in the best interest of their client. And in those cases, I'm confident Anthony Davis was done with New Orleans. He wore a shirt that said that's all folks I think to his final Pelicans game. Like that it's not like Rich Paul threw that at him and said, "Hey Brody, put this on." Like that's Anthony Davis is doing. Um, so it's you don't have I know Rich Paul is easy to villainize because of his association with LeBron James, but if you look at the track, there's probably a number of other agents who have helped multiple players on their client list get off certain teams. That's not unusual. It is the agent's job to do that. And I wonder how much, you know, I want to mention the level up line. That's not a, uh, when he gave you that line a couple of weeks ago, that's not a, a shot at Chris Gaston or that agency. It's just when you hit a certain level, there's only so much an agency that's small like Chris Gaston's is can do for you. You need connections. You need you need doors open for you. And while Chris can probably open a lot of doors, he can't open the same doors that Chris uh, uh, Rich Paul does, and that Clutch Sports, the name Clutch Sports does. So that's part of the the leveling up for De'Aaron Fox. And to me, I had a moment. This was last year, but the Kings were so terrible last year; it didn't matter. Where I saw Lamelo ball on TV every five minutes, in one commercial or another, it's like, all right, De'Aaron blew Lonzo out the door, but here comes Lamelo and has already gotten more mainstream marketing exposure than De'Aaron did. And Charlotte stinks, like Charlotte. Charlotte's been, you know, humiliated in the play in two years in a row. But those are the doors that Clutch Sports can open for him. Yeah, I mean, he has never had, like, a,
6: a shameless self-promoter out there, like, doing his, his bidding. Which you
2: have to have. Yeah, I, you I absolutely mean— absolutely have to have
6: You that. have to—I mean, if you are a top, you know, 25, 30 player in the league, you have to have that. And so, at this point, like, look, I, I think—I I, want to keep pointing out, De'Aaron Fox, everything is kind of coming together for him at the time that it should come together for an NBA player. He's 24 years old. He'll be 25 in, in December— he just got married. He's got a baby on the way. He's he's taking these huge leaps and bounds. His team is showing that they can potentially compete for a playoff spot. This is a moment where he's just, it's all coming together for him. And that's great. I mean, like, Kings fans should be applauding this. This is like a really, really shiny moment for him where, you know, he's averaging 25 a game, but he's also, like, putting up almost 25 every single night. I mean, he's been that good. He's been great for this team this season. And... And even the last couple of seasons, it's not like he's been bad. He's missed some games. Uh, he's had some inconsistencies. But overall, you see, like, a pretty steep path for him where he's improving and he's he's showing that he's the guy. And, again, like, you make a trade, because and it wasn't saying that Tyrese Halliburton is not the guy. It's just he's not the guy to pair next to Fox, and Sabonis was. Again, it's the potential for a trade to work out for everybody, and that's so rare in the league. Mm-hmm.
2: It uh, I, I, we, we talk about that a lot. We use that line a lot. And I always go back to, I wonder what Monty was thinking that night that he drafted Tyrese Halliburton. Obviously, he was very high on him. Like, that's, I mean, everyone was just ecstatic. But I wonder if the idea was, this is going to work with these two. Or, this kid is half as good as I think he is. We could net a big return for him. And I'm sure you always operate in the idea of this is going to work. Like, this is going to work with our roster the way we have it now. But looking at the moves that came later, it made me wonder if, man, did he did he know Tyrese was going to be a great bait piece in, in trade discussions?
6: I, I think I've had enough conversations with Monty that I will tell you that he's not playing just like, he's not playing checkers for sure. And, like, when you're drafting with the 12th spot in the draft, you really have no idea what you're getting. You hope that you're getting something, but you have no real idea what you're getting. And if, like, to test Monty, if you would have been drafting at number four, would you still have taken Tyrese Halliburton? That's when you crush a draft pick. Having a guy fall to you at 12, I don't want to take anything away from him, but he thought he was getting the best player available. Mm-hmm. And he he was getting the best player available, and it's proven out that way. But realistically, if it was Devin Vassell that fell to him, instead, you know, he would have probably not traded, he would have not made that move, because it probably would have been a better fit piece. So I, I think with Monty, you have to look at the the rocket style of play was to never over overvalue your own assets, never overvalue your own assets. And we've already seen that the Kings did not overvalue Dante DiVincenzo. They did not chase him with big money. They did not listen to the big talk. If he's going to go, he's going to go. When it came to Halliburton, like you've got, if you have the opportunity to get a 25-year-old two-time All-Star, you do it. That's, That's the way it goes. And like people say, well, you know, the Kings would have preferred to have Fox go in that deal. I don't know if that's true or not. I can just tell you that If you were to be able to, if you would have traded Fox instead of Halliburton, you would have been good. I think you would have probably been somewhere around as good as you are right now, but you also would have had a player on a rookie scale deal and Sabonis on an $18 million deal and a player who's two years younger in Halliburton. So sure, maybe like, but that again is like asset evaluation Mm -hmm. and, and that's how Monty's Like he's been brought up in this league is to manage your assets properly. Do not overpay for your assets and and sit there and make the smart, creative move. But with a long term uh, like idea, even with you can bring up Davion when they drafted Davion. What did that mean? That meant right there that one of those three wasn't going to be there long term. Mm Hmm.
2: Um, money needs to lock in on some of the defensive issues that the Kings are having. Um, What will be the spark that turns this around for the Sacramento Kings? And might it be a gentleman in Stockton? We'll talk with James Hamm about that. When we return here on Sacramento sports leader, ESPN 1320.
3: Continues streaming live on the Odyssey app.
2: Live on the Odyssey app, live on 1320 a.m., 98.5 FM, HD2, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, wherever you are. We appreciate you so much for being with us. Uh, James Ham here with us uh, on this game day as the Sacramento Kings will try to get back to their winning ways uh, beginning tonight against the Western Conference best Phoenix Suns. Uh, we'll dive back into that in just a heartbeat. A lot of great football over the weekend. Uh, started Thanksgiving. All three games on Thanksgiving were pretty compelling, and the NFC East turned the people out with 40-plus million people uh, tuning in to the Cowboys and the Giants there, right smack dab in the middle of the day. That's prime football watching time, because I found with the early game, there's a, there a lot going on. I, I I did some of the cooking. There was a Getting acquainted with everyone that you hadn't seen in a while, and then the the the, the late game, the, the the last game, well, you had ate or you were eating, and it was just kind of, it was just kind of like background noise. So it wasn't one that I was locked into, but we were locked into that Cowboys, we were locked into that Cowboys Giants game quite a bit.
6: Yeah, I, I love watching football all day on on Thanksgiving. Um, good games. Yeah, we just have rule like during dinner, we have to turn the volume off. Mm-hmm. But overall, I like. I don't really care. Um, I I do watch a lot of sports with the volume off, anyways.
2: I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not feeling the Bills. Bills. I I mean, that would have been a hell of a win for Dan Campbell. It didn't. I mean, you know, Josh Allen got them down the field in seconds to get them that win. Buffalo. I just, man, I don't know yet. Yeah,
6: they're teetering on the brink of all, at all times because... That's what it feels like. Anytime you're watching Josh Allen run, you're like, oh man, he's going to crush somebody, but you're always running the risk of him getting hurt. And I, I don't think he's done a really good job of developing his running backs or developing a second and third wide receiver. I think he's still over-reliant on on digs, and uh, there aren't guys... Like, there are certain games where guys have good nights, but it's not consistent enough. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, was it Dawson Knox or tight end? Like, he he pops up and has a big game and then goes quiet for a bunch of time. And you always, like, you're waiting for him to make some of the other guys a little bit better.
2: I think those are tight ends in general. I mean, George Kittle, like, four catches, two touchdowns a week ago. And, (laughs) hey, did George Kittle play this week? Oh, yeah, he did. He just wasn't a focal point yeah. not that it appeared anyone was a focal point of what Jimmy Garoppolo was doing uh in the 49ers win yesterday against the Saints I think the 49ers and the Cowboys are the two best teams in the NFC
6: yeah oh, I, I,
2: I, I don't buy the Giants the the Eagles each week the the Eagles are getting my attention more and more um I like that they I I, I, I thought they were impressive last night I, I'm not. I like the Eagles more than the Giants, but I don't like the Eagles as much as the Cowboys.
6: You know, I think the Eagles haven't been on the big stage quite as much, and yeah, uh, you know, like I, I love what their quarterbacks doing. I, I mean, they're ten and one. I mean, they're they're really good right now.
2: Anyone who beats Aaron Rodgers, I like.
6: Yeah, I would agree there, and I forgot they have Gardner Menchu hiding on their bench as their backup quarterback. I like Jalen Hurts, and the other thing with them is that every time you're watching them play, you you're like, oh, I forgot they had, uh, I forgot they had Zach Pascal. Yeah, they you got know? players like they yeah. do. They have got like a bunch of really good wide receivers, um, and and again, I, I think that they're they're kind of stepping up.
2: I'll mention this once, and I'll mention it one time only, and then it'll never be brought up again. Michigan absolutely beat the dog crap out of Ohio State this weekend. (laughs) Um, And wildly enough, the way that that Saturday went, the Buckeyes are actually still in contention for a college football playoff spot while Michigan may have just punched their ticket to the national championship. They get past Purdue this weekend. They're clearly a top probably two team they're probably second assuming Georgia handles business it'll be Georgia then it'll be Michigan which means Michigan will play TCU in the opener and child please Michigan should run TCU off the field which just punches their ticket to a national championship matchup likely against Georgia now what throws a what what, what throws a wrench into all of this is LSU lost Clemson lost, so Tennessee, you know, they, they, they lost their moment a, a, a week ago or so. So the loser of that Michigan-Ohio State matchup, we had long wondered, like, would they have an opportunity to get back? And we thought that the score would have to be relatively close for that to happen. Oh, oh Harbaugh just completely out-coached Ryan Day on Saturday And Ohio State lost all discipline in the fourth quarter. They absolutely deserved to lose that game, picking up multiple personal uh, foul penalties. But given the fact that Clemson lost, LSU lost, if USC doesn't get the job done in the Pac-12 championship on Friday night against Utah, that opens the door for Ohio State. Because I think they'll put USC in if they win, I don't think that they'll put Utah in.
6: Yeah, but I mean USC is a good team. No, they are. Yeah, yeah
2: absolutely. But yeah. they if 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 they lose in the Pac-12 championship, I think that opens the door uh, for Ohio State to get back in. Which I, I given the performance that they had on Saturday, uh, I'm not sure that they're deserving of that.
6: So we're going to look at at Georgia, uh, Michigan, TCU, and either USC or Ohio State. I think so. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean USC wins they're in like you 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 you, you, so many teams have lost there really is no other debate I don't think there's a debate between USC the Pac-12 champion and Ohio State who just got run by Michigan if Ohio State had lost by three yeah there might have been a discussion between a one loss Ohio State and a Pac-12 championship USC but given the fact of given what happened in, in that game on Saturday at home I don't see it happening for Ohio State if USC wins. Yeah, it's going to be pretty tight,
6: especially when you're looking at two one-win teams. Yeah, one-loss teams, one-loss teams. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like of the top ten, there's there's only you know your three teams that are undefeated, Mm. and then only a couple of one-loss teams, and you know there's a lot of two-loss teams in the top in the top
2: ten. Yeah, next week will be next week will be fun. Next week will be fun when those when those uh, when those playoff teams are announced. Um, and then of course we'll 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 spend this week getting ready. I actually wasn't sure that there was a game tonight. I was like, do they even have enough game? There was a three games Thursday. I was like, wait a minute, I feel like I've seen everybody. It's like the Steelers and the Colts. I'm sorry.
6: Oh, that's forgettable. There's
2: no chance. <laughs> I'm spending three seconds watching that game. That's awful. That's a that's a hard pass for me. But there is a football game tonight, which. Jesse, I think, can be heard here on ESPN 1320. <laughs> it's horrible, but you can listen you to can it You can listen to it live right here on We've got ESPN you. 1320. Um, Dolphins 49ers is going to be must-see TV this weekend. And who was must-see TV for the Stockton Kings this weekend was my guy, Namias Kata. Big boy. Namias Kata put up 36. 38. 38. Sorry, he scored two more points. Yeah. Last time I saw.
6: I think 38 and 18. Mm. Uh, yeah, on, I, man. I, I mean, the line was powerful. Like, what in the world? I mean, he had four blocks. He had two steals. I think he had three or four assists. Um, so, like, because I, I deal with the good people of Portugal all the time because they are all Twitter followers. Uh, like the entire country, They're big fans of James. Yeah,
2: the entire entire country of Portugal is big fan of James. That's Jane. right. And he has to regularly answer questions. Many of them join Happy Hour, by the way, which is why you got to be a premium subscriber over at the King's Beat. That and the Australians. The and Australians. the Australians, yes, you're big in
6: Australia. I am big in Australia. There's actually a writer here today in Sacramento, and uh, he came over and said hi, and like it was like it was fun. He's here getting some uh, having conversations with Delavadova.
2: There are people up all hours of the. Night and morning to be a part of happy hours, James Ham's happy hours.
6: Yeah, uh, Czechoslovakia, we've had uh, someone in Prague, uh, Joshua in Prague. Uh, Tremendous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Kata, like, look, he's so close. He is. Like, I think he's getting better every single day. Uh, that 38 and 18, that was against James Weisman. Mm. He absolutely destroyed him and led his team back. Poor James. Washington. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not
2: sure what's yeah. happening there. Um, but you talk about confidence getting shot. As we were talking about Keegan Murray, yeah. can you imagine what's happened to that young man's confidence?
6: No, it's not good. It's not good. Um, yeah, not good at all. Like, if I were them, I would have tried to bail on him. And even I've I've said that a couple of times. Like, if you were uh the Warriors coming into the season, would you have like even right now? Would you make a call and say, "Hey, we'll give you uh, Weissman for Rashawn Holmes." and just bail on the experiment because you owe him a bunch of money next year too. And that's not great. And then you have to make decisions on him. And and what are you going to do there? What if you you have to do a qualifying offer in his fifth year and he accepts a qualifying offer like 15 million, but for them that costs him like 45 million. Uh, You know, that's,
2: that's crazy because of their luxury tax situation. Since I, since I just took a second to praise Michigan uh, I'll, I'll I'll take another opportunity to do something I normally don't do. I'll praise Draymond Green uh, for something, who, who's playing really well as of late, by the way, okay. but said something, and I'm not sure if it was, I don't think it was last night. It might have been a couple of nights ago. But he talked about the pressure that those young players are under on the Golden State Warriors. And he, he had a great line in that. He was like, you know, when you're in these guys' position, normally you're going to a team that sucks. And you don't have any pressure on you, at least year one, year two, because you're on a team that sucks and you have to figure out a lot of different things. Rarely do you come to a championship caliber team and are expected to have, you know, some sort of impact right away. Rarely do you come to a championship team in which you're trying to blend with the team that still has many of their championship players on it. And I thought that was a great point that I don't know that I've spent a lot of time thinking about the pressure that they're under being on this team and the pressure that Bob Myers and the organization is under with their, you know, they, I I I believe this phrase has been dumped since then, but we've got two timelines. We've got our current championship timeline and our future championship timeline. And I think they have been smart enough to get rid of the two timeline uh, catchphrase that they were using a while ago. But I thought that was a great point from Draymond Green. And it's just when you bring up James Wiseman, it's like, man, that's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a young man who I, I still feel like has something. Yeah. I don't think he's worth like giving up on. No, I, I totally agree. And
6: I think the the bad part, if you're the Warriors, when it comes to this young group of players, is that they're all high draft picks. So yeah. it's one thing if you're bringing along Jordan Poole and eventually have to pay Jordan Poole. But basically Jordan Poole has been free for the first three years of his career, right? So, even this year, Jordan Poole is making $3.9 million. But when you look at like Moody goes from 3.7 to 3.9 to 5.58 over the next three years, you're looking at Kaminga goes from 5.7 to 6 to 7.6. And then Weissman, as a number two pick in the draft, is 9.6, 12.1, and then 15.8 qualifying offer. Like these are really big numbers for a team that has championship aspirations. So even if I pull all those guys right now and we're looking at, you know, almost 20 million or 18 million bucks between Moody and Kaminga and Weissman this year, the Warriors could do so much more with that money right now Uh, with, you know, they lost veteran players. They lost Otto Porter this off season. They lost other players in the last couple of years because they can't afford to do it with these young players on the roster, but you've got to, you're caught in the middle between developing, you know, highly talented players with trying to win now and trying to capitalize the last part of what Steph and clay and Draymond are. So I get it. Like Draymond's like, he hits a nail on the head, but that's the game. Yeah. You know, Keegan Murray was talked about it today. Like this is a playoff caliber team. I've I've got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, be that that guy and so whatever minutes I get whatever happens I think he was asked about like are you okay if you're missing shots if Mike goes to someone else and he's like well that's the that's the game like they don't let me I don't get to go out here and just lose games for this team and that would be another point I'd make I don't think Keegan Murray that I've ever felt has lost a game for the Kings sure did he help put them over the hump when they were struggling no but at the same time. I don't think he's actually been the reason why they lost any of these games that they have lost. And so that's why you just keep waiting for him to figure it out. And I don't know how we started with uh, Namias Keita, who had a— We brought up Wiseman. Yeah. And I,
2: and I praised Draymond Green and set the whole conversation sideways it, for it's, the remarks he made. Yeah.
6: So so this game that Namias had, 38 points, 18 rebounds, three assists, two uh, two steals, and four blocks, <clears throat> one turnover. Wow. So— But if you dive into his stats for the season, I I think people should start to like pull back a little bit and understand what it is he's trying to do there. They're trying to convert him into a passing big man. So on the season, he's averaging 2.7 assists per game, which is up from like 0.5 last year. So he's taking huge leaps and bounds or 1.8, whatever it is. Uh, He's taking these huge leaps and bounds. In specific areas of the game, he's shooting 40% from three. It's only on on five attempts, but he's still he's trying. But he still needs to clean up the turnovers where he's over three a game. He needs to clean up the personal fouls where he's at 4.4. If you put Kada on the on an NBA court right now, he's probably going to lead the league in fouls per minute, and it's something he's got to figure out. But if you give him 20 25 games at the G League level and then bring him up with his confidence, brimming and him just going out there. He's not even really this 18 rebound game. It's an anomaly. That's not who he's been even with that 18 rebounds over I think they've played 7 games. He that put him up to 9 rebounds per game. So, he's not rebounding the ball the way he should be. And these are things that you're just going to keep focusing him on and saying, "Hey, we got to get better here, here, and here." And eventually, I think he can step in and maybe be a guy uh, that can help this team, especially if you either have an injury to Sabonis or you want to start playing the same way with the second unit as you are with the first unit. And right now the Kings can't do that. They still can't do it. Even with chemezi uh playing some of the five minutes, they still can't play the same type of offense because they don't have the passing big.
2: So the, so the team is clearly struggling defensively. Do you, Are you still... Are you still optimistic that there's growth for this team on the defensive end?
6: Yeah, I think so.
2: Like, okay, okay, I, I, okay. I'll rephrase it. Is are you confident there's enough growth on the defensive end for this team to get to where they want to go?
6: Yeah, I, I am, and and it's because we keep seeing this number that that the Kings lead the the league in like close coverage three point makes by the opponent. Is it teams are hitting shots against the Kings because it it's sort of like the self fulfilling prophecy? You go up against a bad defensive team and and every player thinks that all of a sudden they're a superhero and can shoot from anywhere and they start hitting everything. Like you give players, NBA players confidence, they're gonna they're gonna torch you. And I'm like it's always been the situation in Sacramento when you're a bad defensive team, other teams come in thinking that they're gonna have a good night. And even if you're not a horrible defensive team, but you're still, you're beating teams 130 to 120, that means that you're giving this whole group of confident, uh, of players who, you know, guys like, let's just look at the, the Detroit game by, for example, like Killian Hayes came into that game as the worst true shooting player in the league. Like he can't hit anything. He comes out and starts busting threes on you. Kevin Knox hasn't hit anything, starts busting threes on you. All of their players who don't usually hit shots, hit shots against you. And it's because they come in with this confidence because they believe you're a bad defensive team. And sometimes you make mistakes and that happens. But I think with the Kings specifically this year, like the laws of average will start to work in their favor at some point. Um, it's just win. And how many good teams do you have to play in the first 20 games of the season or 30 games of the season to really be tested? And that's what
2: a lot of this is. They've played a really tough schedule as well. But it's not, it's not the good teams playing well offensively that I worry about. It's the Lakers, who were in a rut until they played the Kings, and all of a sudden they could hit threes like there was no tomorrow. Detroit, same thing, lowest or one of the lowest-scoring teams in the league, put up a 200 points close to it <laughs> against Sacramento.
6: 120-something. But yeah. again,
2: and I understand, yeah. like Sacramento won, the Kings won, in, in in both of those cases, like they won those games, but when you – when you look at it at a, at a at a more micro level it's like oh all right it, it, you know detail timeouts after missed defensive assignments all right there's still some there still appear to be some shortcomings on the defensive end for this team
6: well i i totally agree but i also say you have a team of offensive players i mean that's part of it you know i i remember elston turner Years ago on the radio uh, when the Kings were amazing and, you know, that he's he's the defensive coach on, like, the greatest show on the court. And people keep saying, how come your defense isn't very good? How come your defense isn't very good? And he's like, well, first of all, net rating is what really matters. So, you know, as long as you're better offensively than you are defensively, it doesn't matter if you're winning, like, 100 to 90 or if you're winning 120 – to 110 or if you're winning 130 to 120 you're still winning by 10 Mm -hmm. right so you should always consider that that there it's really about the margin of victory or and if you break down the advanced statistics the difference in offensive rating and defensive rating which gets you your net rating Um, but at the same time he kept saying like look if you want me to like have a great defense then maybe go get me some defensive players because I don't have any of those Mm -hmm. and we're doing the best we can. But the fact is we cannot score anyone and we're more efficient than anyone. And we beat everyone and we keep winning the most amount of games. And then you get into the playoffs and that's where defense really hurts. If you can't play defense in the playoffs, you're going to be in some trouble.
2: We got to get there first. And there's going to be, because I don't think this team is going to pull away from anybody, especially when you look at the mess that is the Western conference right now. I do genuinely believe that it's going to be something similar to this all year. I think the truly bad teams will you know, I, I think San Antonio is now fallen into the category of a truly bad team. Like those teams down there, they're they're going to separate themselves a little bit, but you're still going to have 12 13 teams that are that are going to be competing and you know, I know there was a game, there was a year a couple of years ago where Houston lost to someone on like the final day of the season, and like six playoff spots, like all shifted. No one, it wasn't make or miss the playoffs. It was just like all of a sudden, instead of a second seed, you were a sixth seed. Instead of a fifth seed, you were a third seed. Like there was just a ton of movement. I feel like it's going to be that type of year and that type of final week uh, for the Western Conference, and there's going to be playoff-like games. For the Sacramento Kings in the final month of the season,
6: yeah, I, you hope so. I mean, that's that's where they're heading. And and again, I'll just keep pointing this out. You're what you're saying about like how there there will be bad teams. There's going to be a lot of bad teams this year. The fact that so many teams are sitting right around the same, uh, you know, win loss record, especially in the Western Conference, everyone is sitting around the same win loss record. It's kind of leaving the door open for some of these teams to go. Well, maybe maybe we're going to get to game 40 and you're going to see a lot of teams. Okay. We, we ain't got no shot. We're, we're done. And that's when you really, you're going to start seeing teams pick up tons and tons of wins, you know, floating around 500 until you can get to a second half where maybe you got 10, 10, games, 15 games against teams that have no chance. That's pretty good.
2: I'm looking at them and I'm guessing they don't have one. There's, there's no way that they have one, but the Minnesota Timberwolves are ten and ten right now. If the playoffs started today, they're out of the they're out of the playing picture. They're out of everything. They should be banned from having a draft pick. Now I guessing their Rudy Gobert trade uh bans them from having a draft pick, period. But all of the jokes that you want to make about Sacramento, how many number one picks has Minnesota had? And they've made the playoffs what, twice in the last eighteen years? Something
6: like that. And, well, they made the play in.
2: Did they make the playoffs last year? I thought they, maybe they didn't. They definitely, they they, they were definitely in the play in. I thought they made the playoffs. Maybe they didn't. It's possible. It's but possible. Regard, like, how many number one picks can you squander? At least the, you could make all of the jokes you want to about the Kings picks. They didn't blow it. They may have blown a number two, they didn't blow a number one pick. And they've, they've, they got the Anthony Davis one right, but I think there are a lot of questions about. Uh, everything else that they've done uh, in their time frame to remain as miserable as they truly are. We'll come back. Uh, we'll talk more Kings basketball with our 1320 Kings insider James Ham when we return here on Sacramento Sports Leaders dealing with Casey on ESPN 1320.
3: Now, now, back to d and KC. d and KC on ESPN 1320.
2: Appreciate you for being with us wherever you are. It's game day. follow lines are open for you. 916-909-1320. It'll be the Sacramento Kings and the Phoenix Suns uh, tonight at the Golden 1 Center. Stretch of some difficult games ahead uh, for Sacramento. Um they help to you know we were just looking at the we were just looking at the conference standings you didn't this that, that stat you the Keegan Murray stat you didn't say on the air so can you repeat what we were just talking about during the commercial break that that Keegan was talking about today
6: yeah he said that he is uh that the kings right now are 3 and 7 against teams that are over 500 and that that's a problem especially with the the road trip coming up that
2: yeah the, the for for those unaware the suns are over 500 <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're very, very. Over the Pacers 500. are
6: over five hundred. They are, uh, and then five out of six on the road trip are over five hundred. So you can't again pace it at thirty percent. Mm. That that's not going to work. Phoenix so, has
2: won four straight. Yeah, yeah they're playing. They they're playing, and they've won six. They've won six of their last ten. Tonight will be the tenth game's tenth straight game that Chris Paul misses. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was named the Western Conference Player of the Week today. Uh, so that'll be a matchup. I think a lot of us are, are, are looking forward to seeing uh, Demonte Sabonis and DeAndre Ayton. Of course, James Ham, as we learned today, hates DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> so that's, that's, <laughs> there was actually even speculation in the chat that James Ham would take James Wiseman over uh, DeAndre Ayton in his uh, list of centers better uh, than the former number one overall pick. This is a game. This is a week. Sacramento's going to have to be damn near perfect. I wonder too, you know, cuz we were we were looking at, you know, we were talking about the lack of separation in the Western Conference and you've been adamant like it might not be there now, but keep looking at it like you're going to start to see it. Like, you know, 2 weeks ago San Antonio was in a very different spot. Now San Antonio is at the very bottom of the conference. Uh Houston has been bad all year. They remain bad. The Lakers are making a move. The Lakers have no reason to remain bad. They desperately want to win, and they've, they've put together a string uh, of a couple of games that are worth paying attention to. Oklahoma City was a nice little story at the beginning of the season. They're falling back now. Uh, teams that you're going to have to watch are Minnesota and Portland, at least as it pertains to Sacramento. We've already seen Golden State uh, move up in the rankings. The question will be, is, you know, Utah's losing at a little bit bigger of a clip than they were to start the season as well as I think they've lost four in a row. And I think the NBA world is collectively waiting to see if they fall all the way back to where most people thought they would be before the season started. But as muddy as this conference is, you're adamant that, just keep checking, you're going to start to see some separation between the very bottom and these potential playoff teams. And the number of teams at the bottom is going to grow a lot more uh, than it is now. Um, But you know you as you mentioned i mean kings <laughs> kings beat the oh no it doesn't it doesn't work with weather the, the, the kings beat the the uh the 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 suns tonight and they're you know within a like a half a game of first place yeah <laughs> there's just where the that's just where the conference is but the 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 this week is so difficult they're going to have to play some of their best ball this week, they're going to have to pay some of their best ball headed into this road trip, uh, and it starts tonight. And I wonder if the season now is kind of settling into form now that we're seeing teams like San Antonio fall back. Now that we're seeing teams like Golden State get it together a little bit. To what degree? We'll see. The Lakers, to what degree are they getting it together? You know, we'll find out. Portland, still solid, but not where they were a week ago. Like, they're coming back. The Sacramento Kings, still good but not in the midst of a league uh, league high seven game winning streak. I wonder if we're settling into the season now, and some of like the, you know, the big highs that Sacramento experienced, like they're gone now. And now you can okay, we had a nice little win streak; it was really really cool. Light the beam became you know the talk of the NBA world for a night or two. Let's settle in and let's do what Keegan Murray said. Let's find a way to beat a good team. Let's get out here and find a way to beat Phoenix. Let's find a way to beat Indiana. Let's just settle into the season because we're in it for the long haul. And for the first couple of weeks it's felt like a sprint. With the four straight losses, desperate to get your first win, and then you you, you know, you, you 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 trade wins and losses there for a minute and then you go on the seven game winning streak, where you play your first TNT game in, you know, three seasons or whatever it was. So I think there were a lot of highs during the first 20 games of the season and now it's all right settle down and we're in it for the long haul here.
6: Yeah, now it really does come down to like hey, can you get wins on when it's tough? Can mm-hmm. can you go beat someone on the road that's a better team than you that in the standings that, or at least is a a good quality team? And the the Kings have to show that they can consistently do that. You know, right now again, they're riding a 6-game home winning streak. Can they mm-hmm. build on that? You have three games here. I mean, they they play Phoenix tough. They have for a couple of years. You've got, you know, an emotional game with Indiana coming in, which like, De'Aaron Vox wanted no part of that discussion at all, which I thought was very interesting today. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they talked to him, uh, when we asked him about, like, Buddy and, and Tyrese, just, no, I'm good. It's just another game. Um but then you got a you got Clippers
2: <laughs> yeah he's totally lying
6: you got a Clippers team on on Saturday for like a weird two o'clock matinee right that's a huge game for this team yeah and, and then the, the coming back and playing the Bulls a sub five hundred team there's only again out of the next ten games I think there's only two sub five hundred teams maybe three if the if the Knicks are below five hundred like that's you have to get wins. Knicks are wins. currently below 500. They're yeah, so you 11. get the Bulls, the Knicks, and the Pistons. Everyone else, I think, in the next 10 games is above 500. You cannot keep winning just 3 out of 10 and, and hoping that you're going to make it through the season. That's not the way it goes.
2: Yeah, winning 3 out of 10 isn't is isn't, isn't going to do it. That's, that is definitely not going to do it. Um, and when you talk about a team like Phoenix who has such a – Good offense and a good defense, um, and now we know this is worth repeating. Um, Trey Lyles is out today. Yeah, he's out. So that's you know it's it's a it's you know it's it's not clutch a chest, Elizabeth. I'm coming home terrible, but it's it's tough. Like he's a he's a big rotational piece for them, and like I don't know what the key to beat a team as good defensively is as uh, as Phoenix is past. Kevin Herter stays at that 50%-plus clip, uh, and Malik Monk is the spark off the bench. I think those are two key points that you can look at. Those two things happen, man, uh, uh, and, and everything else could fall into place. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at this on Steam specifically, you
6: have to slow Devin Booker, which is incredibly difficult. Um, and then outside of that, you really, really have to do what you do like, well, you need Fox and Sabonis to have really good, solid games. And both of them are coming off games that are okay, not great. Uh, I, I think Fox has really had two of his worst games of the season the last two games out. Um, can he, you know, did he get a little bit of rest here over the two-day break? And, and will he come out with you know a little bit more? Mm-hmm. uh Sabonis, if you can get Sabonis and get him in the paint and have him start beating up on Aiton again, you know, that's what you need for this team to do. And then you need to open that up. Uh, so guys like Harrison and guys like Kevin Herter and guys like monk get these wide open looks that they've been getting all season. Like if you work your offense the way you're that they have been doing it all season long, they've got a chance to compete in this game and they got a chance to win this game. I mean, tonight they are one point favorites coming into the game. So like Vegas isn't usually off by that much. You get three points basically for being at home. Um, So realistically, they think that the Suns might be two points better than them, uh, and that because the Kings are playing at home, like, look, ride this this home crowd. This crowd has been incredible. Like, even I I think I just saw like on I I think they put out put out an ad on Twitter, sixty percent off all remaining games uh, for Cyber Monday. Go buy some tickets, people. Like, this is going to be a really tough ticket to get if they keep winning like this. I'm watching these crowds blow up, man. The Pistons <laughs> crowd, 17,000,
2: yeah. like 688. They That's had crazy. Standing room only tickets. I had, like, uh, you know, over the weekend, we were, uh, over the holiday, we were planning Christmas and the plan for Christmas. And the Kings play, because I'm hosting Christmas Eve. Kings play December 23rd. Yep. And. Everyone, I want to go see the beam. I want to see the beam. They play the Wizards that night. So I think there's going to be a, a large contingent of my family at that game in hopes of seeing the beam outside the Golden 1 Center.
6: Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, I, I know. Uh, I was like,
2: guys, the beam only happens if they win. If so they like, win. just win. Just, just a heads up. Just because you go to the game doesn't mean you get the beam. Yeah. Uh, Going to have to get them motivated and locked in to beat the Wizards.
6: I think there might be a Kings fan uh, that lives in, in Canada who's coming down for, for that game and, and might be getting some tickets for that game. And, oh, very good. For, yeah. for
2: the December 23rd game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah,
6: so uh, a big crowd. And again, that's what you want. Like if you're the Kings, like the marketing of the beam only works if you're winning, right? Right. So it's only fun and exciting when you're winning. So you got to keep winning. Yeah. You know, Winning yeah. cures all well.
2: The okay. beam becomes stupid real quick. Like, if you lose nine out of 10, the beam becomes really dumb. Yeah. It's like, you know, let's just shut the beam down now, yeah. now for a little no, bit. No, it's not weird. Like,
6: how does the marketing work? And yeah, I think someone put out on Twitter today that the Kings have uh, filed for a copyright on the beam or they've their trademarking uh, beam team.
2: Oh, there you go. That's, yeah, yeah I them. mean, it's brilliant. Like, it, it's fantastic, but it's 100% accurate. It works when you win. Um, it becomes annoying. <laughs> even if you get a game, like, even if you beat, like, the Rockets, but it's, like, one win out of five. Oh, it's a stupid-ass beam. Come on, let's go home. Stupid beam. Stupid beam. <laughs> Shakespeare's at beam. And, of course, everyone's <laughs> going to make fun of it. Like, again, our, our friends in Boston, apparently, were uh, we're trying to win banners, not beams or whatever nonsense that they were saying on, on Friday, and it's, like, all right, guys, chill. How would you, I like you how live long? in Massachusetts. I know you're miserable, but knock it off. <laughs> the Only worst place to live is Connecticut, so shut up. Yeah, and Connecticut sucks. I can speak from experience. Um, yeah, you're not a fan. I know you're not a fan of Connecticut. I'm not. It's cold. It's uh, everyone. So many people there. I feel like Connecticut is one giant inferior in, inferiority. Thank you. Inferiority complex. Complex. That's what it, like it, they, You either want to be from Boston or you want to be from New York. Okay. But you're from Connecticut, so you're mad about it. You either act like you're from Boston or you act like you're from. New York, but you're from. You don't just New wear gear A- everywhere. It says like home of ESPN. No, you're from New Haven. <laughs> you're in Bristol, which Br- as soon as you enter Bristol, all you see is like satellites. It's just satellite, 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 satellite. Hey, there's the big ESPN building. And then you left Bristol. Yeah. You get the Radisson, the, 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 the what's the residence in? And then the the new one across the street from campus. When I say new, I mean new like 10 years ago new.
6: That's funny. Yeah. Uh, you, the struggle is real out there. Unless if,
2: you're unless you're a big dog and you fly in to do your hit for ESPN and you go, okay, have the car take me back to New York City now. <laughs> That's what the big dogs do. The little dogs, you stay at the residence inn. The Mike uh, Will Bonds and the big dogs, okay, I'm done. Take me back to New York City. Take me back to the city. <laughs> take me back to New take York. Take me back to the city. <laughs> yeah. If the king somehow... Find a way to win tonight. They would be within
6: a game and a half of first place uh, with the Phoenix Suns, and the Suns have uh, a game lead over uh, Denver for the over the for the two seed. Um, so even if Denver were to win and Sacramento were to win, the Kings would be a game and a half out of first place, and first place would be a first place tie with uh, Phoenix and and Denver.
2: I feel like I Denver. Don't even you're listening to Delo and KC on KIFM, West Sacramento, Carracks, QHD, 2 Sacramento, ESPN 1320, driven by Lashers, Elk Grove Dodge. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Uh, James Hamm here with us. If you're just tuning in, the uh, baby Caraway was born on Saturday, happy and healthy. Uh, KC's at home with Jasmine. He should be back with us here uh, as the week progresses. Denver does, in fact, play tonight. They play the Houston Rockets. Mm hmm w denver is one of those teams where i don't think we're gonna pay any attention to until the playoffs get here because denver's like the team that's like if you're not taking the next step like what are you doing and you can't take the next step in november or december for that matter like this team they've gotta it's like they've 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 gotta be in the the i mean is it is it too much to say they got to be in the western conference finals um like you've had you've got a back to back MVP who 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 is absolutely putting up a season capable of winning a third one. And it's like, yeah, no, nah, cool, go win something. Yeah,
6: I mean, I think they they kinda got to the point where the Kings were early in the two thousands where you started to realize that winning regular season games didn't matter nearly as much as you like you thought they did. So you need to get your place in the standings, but then after that, you need to actually focus on being healthy and getting to the playoffs. They're still trying to develop like, like an identity now that uh, Jamal Murray's back, and I, I think that that's going to take a little while. You know, he's not he's not playing as much as he he would normally play. He's a little under thirty minutes a game. Um, he's only shooting thirty four percent from three. Um, you know, you're you've got to get him up to speed. I, I think Kentavious Caldwell Pope was a nice addition. Um, I still don't know what Aaron, Aaron Gordon does. Like uh, that one is always a mystery, but you know, they're a team with uh, a bunch of length and, uh, bones Highland is really starting to turn it on. And, um, you know, I think they're intriguing, uh, but you know, Michael Malone needs to figure out a way to get that, that team through. Cause yeah. if not, you start to worry that they're going to start looking for the guy that can get them over the top. You know, they made it to Western conference finals once during the bubble, right? Uh, and since then it's kind of been like meh like okay and you can't be okay and waste mvp seasons from uh from jokic
2: i feel like denver is not far off from what utah was like i don't i think utah had reached their ceiling and it's not a it's not a mike malone issue this is what the team is i i don't yeah. i don't think this is i don't think the denver nuggets are a championship team Certainly is constructed. I don't think the Denver Nuggets are a championship team. And I think it's an awful lot of pressure on Jamal Murray coming back from his injury to say Jamal Murray is the difference between us, you know, Jokic dragged this team to the playoffs last year, and Jamal Murray is the difference between us going, you know, being dragged to the playoffs and potentially being in the Western Conference Finals. Like, I just— we're, we see what's going on with Klay Thompson and the amount of time it's taken Klay Thompson to kind of get into a stride and and do what he's doing on a on a on a Golden State Warriors team that I think is more talented than the Denver Nuggets and it's not a Mike Malone issue. They're a very good team. I just think we I I think they've peaked. I, I don't I don't think they're a a a championship team. I mean, you you might be right.
6: But I would point out that they did make quite a few changes during the offseason. So you know, guys like Kentavious Caldwell Pope weren't there before. Bruce Brown wasn't there before. Uh, when you add in Jamal Murray back from injury, but also Michael Porter Jr. back from injury, and then Bones Highland in his second slash you know in his his second or third season, um, when you add those things in, you start to go, okay, you know, wh- who can they be? That's a that's a pretty big roster overhaul. If you factor in just you know how few games played last year some of these guys had. And so I'm not willing to say that they're not built for, for the the playoffs, hmm. that they can't get there um, because like they have a ton of length. And if they really want to lock down, they can be a good defensive team. I just think that they've got to have, just like everyone else, a little bit more time in the pot to simmer to see if they can get there. Um, you know, again, they're not a team that jumps off the board as far as, like, a great defensive team right now. They're not a great offensive team right now. They've they've got some things to figure out, but but they're still second in the Western Conference saying that. Uh, maybe
2: they miss Jordy Fernandez a lot, you know? Well, if I were them, I would miss Jordy Fernandez. He's obviously been uh, incredibly impactful here in, in Sacramento. I don't think Denver's better than Phoenix, and that's the Sacramento Kings uh, opponent tonight. Obviously, record-wise, they're not right now. Um, but as as the season progresses, Phoenix, is, Phoenix has answered a lot of questions for me already. Um, they were a team that I did not expect to be back in like a 13-6 and six position. They weren't a team that I expected to. I still am so unclear what happened this offseason, um, but the fact that it appears, at least on the floor, that DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams were able to put this all whatever it was, behind them to me that speaks that's that speaks volumes about this team and they've been doing it without their you, you know you talk about the impact Chris Paul has you know on the floor in a game statistically there I don't think there's a person alive who doesn't point to Chris Paul as being you know as as wonderful as what this team did in in, in the bubble that was an eight game stretch. It was or, or an eight- or nine-game stretch in the bubble where, okay, they won every game. Great. They went home after that, but they won every game. All right, cool. The acquisition of Chris Paul and carrying that over into the next season to see what they became with, with, the, with, the, with the massive turnaround, it wasn't just Chris Paul on the floor, though that was a big part of it. It was the impact of Chris Paul in the locker room. And the fact that they've been able to maintain that level of success on the floor without Chris Paul – over the last couple of weeks. So you know, that that to me that speaks to this Phoenix Suns team where I'd be more likely to put them in a Western Conference Finals or even a potentially NBA Finals appearance than I would probably anybody else in the conference right now.
6: Yeah, I I mean I think it's still a toss up. We have it's a long season. We have to see where it sure. goes. And and I'll say this like Michael Malone told me years ago that that Chris Paul is the greatest leader that he's ever been around. Mm-hmm. And he had coached he was an assistant.
2: A- every statistic by the way shows that that statistic, that's a, that line is 100% accurate. When you yeah. look at the impact that he had on New Orleans, the impact that he had on Houston, the impact that he had on Oklahoma City and the impact that he had on Phoenix, like it it the the the, the turnarounds for each of those teams, even a really good Houston team there was a turnaround there with Chris Paul. That's amazing.
6: Yeah. Um so I'm going to say this like even though he's not playing, he's still there. Oh yeah. He's still leading Mm -hmm. and the fact that he may not be able to keep up and be the same player he was before. He's certainly not the great offensive player he was before. He's averaging less than 10 points a game. Um, He's still dishing out assists and everything else, but um, you know, he's starting to show his age and like, but my question is, can they get there? Can they be effective? Like in when it matters And, and I'm not sure like without Chris Paul kind of being the ringleader and can he stay healthy? Can he be on the court for, you know, even 50 games this year? And can he be healthy all the way through the playoffs? That's a big question. And and I, I think, you know, like Cameron Payne is playing really well, uh, but he's not Chris Paul, mm-hmm. and everyone knows that, like just their style of, the, of play and everything else. So is uh, the elite play of, you know, Turner, I mean, of, uh, of Bridges, is that sustainable for eighty games? Can he be that guy all the time? And I think he he's probably like really undervalued. There, I,
2: I was going to say I think it can be. Yeah, but or he's he got to show
6: be. that he can do that. He's got to sure. show that he can't that he's not just you know a third or fourth or fifth guy on a on a team. And actually, and the same the most, is true for Aiden. Yeah, yeah, and I think Aiden has to show that he can do it without without Chris Paul. So him winning Player of the Week is actually a good thing for him to show mm-hmm. that he can do it without Chris Paul. Um, but. You know, can they sustain it for that long? And uh, I don't know, so w- we'll see. And Chris Paul might not be out that long, but yeah. you know, Chris Paul is not going to play forever. That's for sure. Feels like he's going to. He's it one does of feel guys. like he's going to play forever. He's one of those guys. He's a guy that gets under everyone's skin.
2: It, I genuinely feel like the league will be different when Chris Paul is gone. Not, not like oh my god! It's so like I, it's it, such Chris, a happier place. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Paul's got some of the greatest gifts ever. Like yeah. he's got the he's got the looking back at Steve Kerr gif. the Demarcus Cousins thing will never not be funny when he takes the flop against Demarcus Cousins in a Kings uniform. That's just one of the all time great gifts. Um, yeah. Who starts out on Booker tonight?
6: Hmm. I, I think uh, they'll probably go straight up.
2: You think so? Yeah, because I was it like, might is it, go
6: Fox, but. You, the risk that you have there is that Booker is is like a flopping specialist and gets everyone in foul trouble. Mm. So you really have to be cautious with him getting Fox in foul trouble and then having to sit Fox for long stretches. I would start Herder. I would start straight up, and then I would mix it up. Um, and, you know, the Kings do a lot of switching. They don't do nearly as much switching mm-hmm. as, say, like Boston. But, mm-hmm. you know, they still do a lot of switching. And then I, I want to see Davion give give a, a lot of good minutes, uh, and just look at every time um, you know they they play Phoenix, uh, like they always let a random guy blow up against them, and so you really have to limit it, again. Like Cameron Payne has had some really really good games against the Kings, you got you got to figure out a way to limit that.
2: Do you think Davion still lost?
6: No not as much. I mean, like the numbers tell you that like offensively, you know, he's not shooting the ball poorly or anything else. Um, I just don't know that at this point that his role is, is going to be huge. You know, again, he's shooting 47% from the field. He's shooting 32% from three and that can bump up. Um, But you're looking at a guy who's averaging, you know, under seven points a game at 6.6. He's averaging 2.1 assists per game. Um, He's, he might just be what he is, and, and that's uh, a reserve and a quality reserve to De'Aaron Fox and a change of pace guy that gives you a different look. Um, I certainly think that Malik Monk is taken over as like the the distributor on mm-hmm. the second unit, mm-hmm. which should take plenty of the the pressure off to Davion. But I kind of you know I want the I want to see the Kings do sort of what they did with Foxes this, this summer where they had Luke Lauk's work with him on working off the ball, like, nonstop. And I know they worked with Davion, but I don't know how much off-ball stuff he did. And he's got to learn how to play off-ball. It's really hard, and that's what I think. Mentally, it's hard to stay engaged when you're asked to do something that you've never been asked to do before, and that is to almost exclusively play off-ball, uh, just because that's who Monk has become for this team. And I think, you know, again, Monk's value is off the charts. Like, what he's been able to
2: to grow into for this team is really cool did the fact that guys like Malik Monk and Kevin Herter have worked out so well has has that kind of maybe brought down where I, has it brought down where we thought Davion Mitchell would be this season because my thing with Davion in, in, in this offseason for, for him to be successful this year was always consistent He has to have a clearly defined role, and I wonder how much of Malik Monk's ball distribution, how much everything else seems to have worked has affected maybe what the thought of Davion Mitchell's role was entering into the season and how it's something that's adjusted a little bit as the season has gone on here.
6: Yeah. I mean, I'm with you 100%. Um, you know, we went through all the numbers, right, early in the season. Uh, we talked about Fox playing 34 to 35 minutes a game, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he's not. He's playing He's playing 32, which is way less than I thought. Um, I thought he would be closer to 34, 35. And I know that seems a little strange, but that those two minutes actually being a lot— um, and I thought that that would open the door for Davion to play a little more. But he's averaging 19 minutes a game. And Malik Monk, 22 minutes a game. I thought he'd be closer to 25. Uh, Kevin Herter, 32 minutes a game. Probably two minutes more than I thought he would. But still, they're they're kind of lumped up in that group. And I would say this. Like, if you're wondering if Davion's done anything wrong or if there's – it could just be that he's going to be the reserve to, to Fox. and. There's no shame in that, but there's also 16 minutes a game and you got to steal three minutes or five minutes a game where you're playing with Vox in order for it to work where you get more minutes in that. And that's kind of where he's at. So sometimes it's going to happen and you're going to get to play a little bit more. And sometimes, you know, there's a good matchup, even like tonight where I think he can really give Devin Booker a lot of fits uh, if they, they put him on him defensively. But what if he he is just playing to his role and his role is a guy who's going to play 18 to 20 minutes a night, sometimes 16 to 18, and he's going to back up your your star point guard?
2: I wonder how much of Davion's expectations were set a little bit too high following that stretch he played without De'Aaron and without Tyrese at the end of last season where he was putting up... I don't know if it was high as 20-something a night, but he was putting up a good number of points. He was clearly the top offensive option on this team. And I wonder how much of that kind of like warped expectations of him a little bit from going from, you know, oh, yeah, we we saw what uh, Davion can do instead of, as Doc Rivers would say, tell the whole story and say, we saw what Davion can do. Not a knock on Davion Mitchell at all. We saw what Davion could do when there's literally nobody else there. Sabonis is gone. Tyrese is traded. Uh, Fox is hurt. Like, who else is going to do it? Well, it was Davion Mitchell in that stretch. And I feel like that. And I think there was a stretch too. Maybe it was ankle soreness. I can't remember. But Tyrese and Davion were playing together. Hmm. And I think he played really well during that time too. And of course, that 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 will you know hype up the pro Tyrese crowd, but I, I don't know that we've ever gotten a clear look of what Davion Mitchell is like. When you have some other really good ball players on the roster too, and he's not asked to do so much and score, you know, twenty and have seven assists, eight assists in a game they lost by twenty.
6: Yeah, I mean. I always look at the last 15 to 20 games of a season and just kind of crumple it up and throw it out the window. It's kind of like when you're, it's the opposite of, well, I mean, it depends on the team. If you're a bad team, that's what I usually do. I look at those last stats and go, hey, look, you showed some potential, but um, I." it's funny when I look at fantasy football, you, you kind of want to see how a guy does in the last six weeks of the season to see if he turned the corner and started figuring things out. You know? uh what is it Rashad White for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now what is he going to do in the last half of the season when it looks like he might get more carries than Leonard Fournette mm-hmm. and and if he can perform then what does that mean for him long term right and and I always when I when I look at stats in NBA it's different because there are so many teams that in the last 10 games 15 20 games they just they're playing to play it out they're they're just trying to finish out the season right and it always brings me to Ike Diago, and like i don't wanna I don't wanna say that you know like his stats are Ike Diago, but you know Ike came in and like put up in his final two games with Sacramento Kings thirty two and eleven and twenty eight and thirteen and everyone wanted to sign him to a three year you know twenty seven million dollar contract, and he barely played ever again in the league. How many times you remember Scala here, I think last mm-hmm. game of the season put up 30, uh, 30 plus against the uh, who's Phoenix he played Central. for now? Uh, he does not play for anyone,
2: he's not even on the Vipers.
6: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and that we talk about one of the sweetest kids ever to come through Sacramento. But like you can't overinflate those stats, and you know, it's just like you can't look at De'Aaron Fox and say, Man, he had such a great January and February. Well, yeah, but where was he the other 5 calendar 6 calendar months? Just like right now, like he's got to show that this 25 points per game is something he can sustain for as close to 70, I mean, as close to 80 games as possible, 82 games as possible. Can he get to 75 games playing this way? Okay, if he does, the Kings are going to be pretty good. Uh, but when it comes to that last stretch of games, last quarter of the season, you just kind of
2: got to throw them away. Scal currently plays for a team that I can't pronounce. Where? Another thing that I can't pronounce. Oh, I'll look it up. Do you want to give it a shot? Yeah. Go
6: what ahead. do we get?
2: Give it a shot. There, it's at the bottom.
6: Uh, the bottom. Um. Oh. <laughs> Can Cringer, I de centurci? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Know I don't. James. What is that? I don't know, James. Uh. Oh, it's a. Uh, uh Baloncesto Superior Nacional Oh that's uh, like it, oh he's playing in Puerto Rico how
2: all did right. you figure
6: that out Uh yeah I don't know Okay all right I, It oh I I hit on the bottom and it it pulled up a little
2: a little pop up Yeah um Oh there you go I wish I'd been smarter Yeah he's playing in that. Puerto Rico Of course he's playing in Puerto Rico Yeah Why 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 wouldn't uh why wouldn't he be uh, Some news on the 49ers here, uh, and it's normal on Mondays. It's not good. Oh, no. Kyle Shanahan just told reporters that Elijah Mitchell is expected to be out six to eight more weeks with a knee injury that he suffered mm. on Sunday. That is a far cry from what uh, they thought yesterday, where they obviously knew he had a knee sprain but didn't think it was as serious As uh, the one he suffered in week number one, when it appears, uh, it is just as serious as the one he suffered uh, in week number one. So this uh, sprained MCL is on his left knee as opposed to week number one where he suffered an MCL sprain on his right knee. (sighs) It's not good. If you are ever asked to be the San Francisco 49ers running back, say no. You will end up injured within days. That's just the rule of thumb.
6: You know, it's weird, though. A bunch of running backs have been waived in the last two weeks. Like, it's
2: because the NFL hates running
6: backs. Could you, like, would like Melvin, like, Andrew call Andrew. Him Melvin Gordon. Call, yeah, he didn't
2: get claimed, right? He's no, I don't think so.
6: Uh, same thing with Henderson from the, the Rams.
2: Or, and I get this is crazy, James. Play the guy you drafted in the third round last year. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like put him in a uniform and let him be active on game day. Yeah, which I think he's been active like two or three weeks all year.
6: But have have you noticed the Niners don't do good things in the second and third rounds with running they, backs? They t- do they do great in the sixth six round with running backs. But.
2: They do they don't do anything good in the first few rounds. Period with nope. anyone. Trey Lance yet to be determined. But you get him at pick number one hundred and thirty. Oh, and they'll nail it. Like, they're great there. Keep Kyle Shanahan out of the draft room. If there's a running back on the board, give Kyle Shanahan some crayons and just keep him from <laughs> drafting. Or or, or, <laughs> or maybe it's John Lynch. Whoever keeps drafting these damn running backs for for oh. the for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, stop it.
6: They, they said uh, Melvin Gordon was signed by the Chiefs practice squad. Well, if he's on the practice squad, they can still sign him off the practice squad. And, and I think they have a right of first refusal.
2: And who, the, who has the right of first... Oh, oh, the Chiefs would have the right of first yeah. refusal. And the
6: Chiefs are dealing with uh, uh, Clyde. Clyde got hurt. Edwards Hilaire. Mm,
2: yeah, so that makes it Again, you got Jordan Mason here who's who's shown some signs. And, and you got Ty Davis-Price. Go ahead and and those. And but I, I will say this. I did get caught up in Elijah Mitchell because he... It felt, it felt like it absolutely wasn't the case. But the last couple of weeks, it felt like every time he touched the ball, it was explosive. Yeah. Like he hit the middle. I mean, he he was—his touches seemed impactful. Yeah, he's fun. Um, when he's healthy, though. Tough, I mean, that's the yeah. problem. 49ers just continue uh, to battle injuries over and over and over again. I don't think I've given enough love. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and hit this real quick because we got— we got some more time to talk about the Sacramento Kings, James. I want to go ahead and mention
3: this. The ceiling is the roof. Let's make it happen. Let's keep moving forward.
2: The ceiling is the roof performance of the night brought to you by ACR Solar. Call 916-481-7200 to set your appointment. Find out why solar is right for you. Find out exactly how much you can save. John and his crew will come out and do an entire survey of your neighborhood, your energy bill, and let you know exactly how much you can save. Uh by getting solar again our ceiling is a roof performance of the night brought to you by acr solar josh jacobs 303 total yards 229 on the ground two touchdowns including the 86 yard game winner i don't know what this win meant for the las vegas raiders i know what it meant for the san francisco 49ers though it took out the seahawks and it put the 49ers in sole possession of the NFC West. And as I noted earlier, that Raider strand isn't strong enough for me to get high off this one game. This team is far too talented to be in the position that they are. They're going to have to have a long string of games along. Even in a win, I don't get emotional during games. Not for the Kings, not for the 49ers, for nobody. I mean, this King season, admittedly, I, I get a little bit more antsy. My stomach turns when the game is close late because I want them to win, and I want the beam, and, and, and I want to have fun on the show and all of that different stuff. But rarely do I verbally react. You'll just get a, you get a Tiger Woods fist pump from me once in a while. But yesterday, when it was fourth and one, and Josh McDaniels called a pitch, which – instantly took it from like fourth and inches to fourth and five, and they didn't pick up the first down in the fourth quarter. I said something to my television. I said something specifically to Josh McDaniels that I can't repeat here on this show. But Josh McDaniels, for a team I'm not even a fan of, Josh McDaniels has me reacting to this team in an unfavorable way. They're far too talented to be in the position that they're in. There's far too much talent on the Las Vegas Raiders, to be where they are right now.
6: I agree 100%. There's so much talent, and I don't know if Jacobs has just not been used correctly. That. Or, I believe that it's that. Or, but it, it could also be that he just doesn't show up every single Sunday. And But there is, there's something there where... Again, how can the 49ers just fumble their way through one running back after another that can bust out and have a huge week? And the Raiders just never give themselves an opportunity to have, you know, a great game by a guy like Mac Breida or Mostert or Hasty, Just name that – or Jeff Wilson. All these running backs that just kind of float through the door and blow up. Well, the Raiders have just basically had – a solid guy who they've never really turned the car over to uh you know turn the keys to the car over to mm-hmm. and and let him uh and let him go and finally it seems like maybe they'll learn a little bit here but i, I don't know every time i think that then they do something stupid
2: yeah it's the raider way i apologize raider fans i'm yeah. sorry yeah. i'm sorry you got to put up with it that's facts that's big time facts uh and we're going to find a way to give the Keys to the car to Keegan Murray tonight. We'll do that when we return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320.
3: d and Casey. d and Casey continues on ESPN
2: 1320. I was just telling James I bought a dining room table that shrinks. I'm really excited about this. I'm very, very excited. This goes from like seating 12 to like seating 2. This is awesome.
6: Okay, I'm trying to think where you're going to put it.
2: Well, so that's, a, that's part of the reason I needed a small one that like shrinks okay. because I don't want to get rid of that little bar area where the table is at. Okay. Like in the, in the, in, it's in the actual dining room. It's going to go in the formal dining room, but my formal dining room is far from it right now. Uh, but I'm going to okay. turn it into one with my new shrinkable dining room table.
6: It's one of the first things I did was just remove a formal dining room when I had when I started uh, working through our house. Yeah, like I don't need it. Like we we have a kitchen table. No one ever sits at it. Right. My wife plays puzzle. Uh, does puzzles on it.
2: See, and, and that's, that's how. And that's why I needed one to where I'm. Ho- I told you I've, 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 I'm hosting on Christmas Eve, so I got to expand it. Right. Yeah, and We have an expandable the, one. Yeah. The other three hundred and however many days I'm um, shrink it back up and just it'll just act as like another bar
6: I saw or it so now maybe I I need to go look at that thing more seriously because I I saw what you're talking I'm about. I'm pretty excited about yeah. it, I'm gonna be honest. Mine
2: uh like I'm a, probably feel like an idiot when it gets here. I was like, "What did you do this for?" Like, right <laughs> now I'm excited
6: about it. Yeah, well then just sell it to me and I'll I'll feel like
2: the idiot it's then fine. afterwards. You could probably build one for goodness sakes just with panels that you put in <laughs> over and over and over again and some little devices there at the bottom. Uh that's hilarious. Uh, let's go to these phones, man. No, no telling if, if these have anything to do with shrinking dining room tables. 9 90 Just got done with Thanksgiving, so ready to talk some kings with you guys. Ready for the game tonight. Right on, baby. Let's go. What you got for us? Uh, so I just wanted to know your guys' thoughts on Rashawn Holmes. Um,
5: I feel like, uh, you know, I and apologies. if this was already brought up earlier in the show. I've been kind of coming in and out uh, while I've been at work. But okay. um, I feel like he uh, could potentially fill that role. For that big man presence that we need, um, I'm assuming he must not have impressed during practice to really get out there. But i was wondering if you guys had any more insight, because I know we've been kind of talking about we need a big. Um, we got one on the bench right there who we just signed. You know, not sure why he's not out there.
2: Uh, appreciate you, Solo. I love. We're just the most comfortable radio show like on the planet. Like, and I, I, I'm I'm all for it. Jesse's quick with the button. The dude didn't even realize that he said it. No, either. he did he Kept going. No, like we're just like I said. We're just the most comfortable show on the radio. <laughs> um, I feel like the answer to Rashawn is easy, but I'll I'll let you if you want to take that. I.
6: Yeah, he's in a really difficult spot where. He just hasn't been able to figure out how to fit in. And he's it,
2: just not the shot blocker. No. That the team, I I think when we talk about needing a big, when, when people say it, it's they need a shot blocker or a big that can hit threes. And I don't think Rashawn can do either one of those.
6: Well, the other problem is he's not a passer. And, and so the offense just looks wrong with him in it. And again, it, it really does. Like when we talked about, you know, Tyrese Halliburton earlier, Tyrese Halliburton has a way of using players like this, but that doesn't mean that every offense in the league uses a player like this and has players like this. There are plenty of teams that do not have, you know, rim runners or, uh, that style of player. I I think the biggest thing Rashawn Holmes averaged like 1.6 blocks per game, like two years ago, where's that player at? Like, and, and it's really tough because he's not getting on the court at all. So at this point he's played roughly 15 minutes in the last 10 games. And mm. he's had like of those, uh, I think that's the last 11 games. He's got eight DMPs and that's, it's really hard to figure out a way to get him on the bench. I mean, to get him on, on the court, Chemezi Metu, while he does some things that like can frustrate you at times and he doesn't do everything perfect. Why they like Chemezi is that he's very versatile to defend on the perimeter and they can switch one through five when he's on the court. Uh not truly one through five. Chemezi Metu's not out there guarding a bunch of point guards, but he is going out and defending the perimeter and, and at least staying trying to keep guys on the outside. It's something that Rashawn Holmes had no problems doing earlier in his career, and I'm not sure why he's got he has problems doing it now, but he was a square peg in a round hole, unfortunately. In the first, you know, 10 games of the season when he actually did get an opportunity, maybe Mm what is the first seven games of the season. And, you know, this season is about being all in and accepting your role and doing is the best you can to, to do whatever it is that you can do in your role for the Sacramento Kings team. But it's a lot different for a guy like Davion Mitchell, who's seeing a reduction in minutes, but still gets open looks on the perimeter to shoot a shot or on occasion, he can take off and go to the rim with Rashawn Holmes, he needs somebody to set him up. He needs somebody to, like, get him going in order for him to succeed. He's not a guy who's going to take anyone off the dribble. He's not a, like, knockdown three-point shooter, although he does work on his three-point shot. And it's just really tough. And, you know, we talk about asset management with Monty McNair. This is the guy that you're looking at and thinking, is there a point where I can run him out there for five games in a row, get him like out and about and have people talk about him a little bit and, and showcase him because the Kings realistically would be better off at this point if they moved away from him and focused on some of the other guys they have on the bench. Again, like a Chimezi Metu, even an Alex Len who's more of a true natural shot blocker uh, and can hit the three a little bit and can pass a little bit. It's just a style of player that he is. And for some reason it's not working with this team.
2: But I think the answer is no though, James. You just ask can the Kings march him out there and and, and showcase him a little bit? I don't think they can because I don't think you're showcasing him. It's not working. Um, yeah, you're just exposing, right? And and it, yeah, and no, it, I'm it, with it, you. And I'm just, with you. It just kind of shows the um, it, it, it 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 probably lessens your ability to trade him because everyone's gonna know. Like you've got two years left on this deal after this year
6: after this year yeah he's got a player option for the for the fourth year of his contract and it's like 12.8 million there's no way he's stepping out of that
2: right that's what that's what i mean and is there a point where it, it's not now and i believe the answer to this is no because of the type of player which is there a point that this is like a big hindrance to the kings because it's ten and you, what, what did you say was ten and, it's ten and some change right yeah, I think next year's
6: eleven point something, the oh, year man. after that is twelve point something. Yeah. So yeah.
2: I, I I mean, is there a point where it's you've you, you have to move on from him? Like well, yeah, even but, even though you're not you're not gonna get anything back that's gonna make you happy.
6: Yeah, I mean I would think yes. There there is gonna come a point. But the problem is here's the big like you your roster still needs something. And you know what you need. You need a, a stretch four or stretch three that can block shots. You still need that guy. He's just not the right piece. And it's unfortunate because, again, I don't think he's a bad NBA player, and I think he can help a lot of teams. I agree. It's just that you're not a pick-and-roll team, and this team is not running a bunch of picks and roll at all. Like They are staying within that offense that we talked about early in the season. It's been highly successful. And they're going to keep running with this. And the only way for me to really see Rashawn Holmes getting freed up to do something in this offense is if they just break from what they do with the rest of the guys and start running some pick-and-roll actions. And, again, maybe at some point during the season they do that. They, they are able to switch it up. But for right now, if he can't hit the three and he can't defend the perimeter and he can't make passes, he can't be a, a go-through like Sabonis – then it's tough. I remember even before the season started, we talked. I'll still hold to this claim. Namias Keda is the closest big man on this roster you have to the de, to Demontis Sabonis. I'm not saying he's Demonis Sabonis, but he can set mean picks, he can roll to the basket, he can go post up, he can get you rebounds, but he can pass and he can actually be a hub he projects as a player that could develop into a guy who averaged three to four assists per game. And if that's who you have there, if you lose Sabonis for two weeks, I think it's more likely that you go to a guy like Keda than it is that you go to the other guys that you have on your roster because there, there will be continuity in, in style of play. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy to say because he's a guy in the G league, but at the same time he's down there getting a lot of burned. And that's exactly what he should be doing, and he's getting some seasoning, so if maybe there is a point where he comes up, you'll actually get productive minutes out of him.
2: What's the the number again? Is it 50 games for a two-way player or 50 days?
6: 50 games. It used to be 50 days.
2: But it's 50 games. It used to be
6: 45 days, and now it's it's 50 games. So that's like we're... And they jump the two-way player all the way up to half the salary of a regular NBA player.
2: Is Alex Lynn what's keeping the Miyaskata off of the the Sacramento Kings?
6: No, not at all. And, and neither is Rashawn Holmes, and neither is, is Chemezi Metu. What's keeping him in the G League is very specific. He's playing 38 minutes a game down there mm-hmm. and actually getting some opportunity to develop and to grow. It's something that it's really hard to explain to people who don't follow basketball or who are new to basketball and trying to learn the sport, like what a lot of the the fans in Portugal are are dealing with. They're they're confused. Like he's putting up all these numbers, all of these crazy stats: thirty eight points, eighteen rebounds. He should be starting the next night. And I think a little bit of it is that there it's a soccer mentality where they see a guy who at a lower level scores this, and then he gets bumped up, and then he like. They, they fit more seamlessly, but at the NBA level, there's too much to it. Like right now, like Kata, if he wants to be in, at the big boy show, he can't average 4.4 uh, personal fouls per game. He just can't mm-hmm. because at the NBA level, he's averaging, you know, 4.4 per 18 minutes and he'll be out every game and that doesn't help you either because it's not just about him not being able to play. You add in the other ingredient in that situation that he's now getting you in foul trouble as a team. You're starting to get in the bonus and all that stuff. You're picking up silly fouls that you don't need, and you're putting other teams at the free throw line. He's got to clean up that. He's got to clean up the turnovers, and he'll be perfectly fine. He's got to be better as a rebounder. It's something he's not great at. I mean, again, a a guy that big playing at the G League level needs to average more than nine rebounds a game. And these are things that the team is working on, and that's why people need to be patient But at the same time, like he, to me, it looks like a better long-term answer than the other two guys that you have. And don't forget Alex Lynn is in the final year of his deal. Mm -hmm. Chemezi Metu, final year of their deal. There Mm -hmm. will come a point where, uh, like, Keita is needed. But you, in the meantime, go get him 20, get him 25. If you can get him 30 games at the G League level where it really builds his confidence and defines who he is as a player and cleans up all these mistakes all of a sudden you might be talking about a player, like someone who makes a rotation and stays in the rotation.
2: No injuries this year. Do you think Keita plays 10 NBA games?
6: Yes. Um, I would say yes because I, I think that this roster isn't done and the Kings are going to be aggressive and there will come a point where they do actually make moves. And, and
2: Alex Lynn is probably a prime candidate for that. Rashawn Holmes is probably yeah. a prime candidate for that. And
6: yeah. Even, like, in all honesty, like, Chemezi Metu could be a candidate. Like, if you need a $2 million matching salary to go in and out of a deal, like all of those guys, you're not going to not make a deal because of one of those three names. And that's not a knock on those guys. It's just— Well,
2: Chemezi's been playing really well. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm i I'm doing that to exclaim, like, it's it's not a knock. Chemezi has been playing really well. No, I, I think so,
6: and he's accepted the role. That's mm-hmm. what we've talked about. This team, like, you need to be uh, all in on this yeah. team. You need to understand that, like, it, it doesn't matter if you're playing eight minutes or you're playing 32 minutes. Whatever your role is, you go out there and you do it. And that's, the
2: light bulb went
6: on at some point with Chemezi. Sometime he's,
2: after you posted that video or people were just going to, ape nuts over his body language and yeah. i don't think things have looked down for him since no i, I think maybe maybe there is a And he certainly is talking different too i noticed that when he talked uh, uh he talked a couple of i don't remember if it was when it, 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 at practice with you a couple of days i don't remember when it was but the last time i heard the talk it was like oh he does not sound like that guy who was uh uh, standing against the wall um, after a practice earlier in the season. He sounds like a completely different guy.
6: Yeah, I mean, there, like I've said it so many times, there's there's a point where a player, player either gets it or he doesn't. Mm-hmm. If you still think you're going to get 10 shots a game and you're still going to average 20 or, or you're going to average 14 and, and 8, like, no, there comes a point where you have to accept who you are in the league if you want to stay in the league. And if you don't want to stay in the league – um, you can go play in Puerto Rico like Scalabesier, like, unfortunately. You know, you can go play this game somewhere else. I mean, Dwight Howard, one of the great centers of a generation. Ridiculous. Is playing in, what is it, Korea? To,
2: to, to, is it Taiwan?
6: Oh, maybe Taiwan. it's Taiwan. Yeah. yeah. DeMarcus Cousins might be doing the same thing. Like, he's getting offers. And, like, if you don't accept your role and figure out who you can be in the league, then
2: that's where you go. I think. Do I? I also think that in those guys' case, they've accepted their role. I just maybe the hourglasses, yeah. Out on them,
6: yeah. I mean, I, I could name a, a bunch of other players that have sure. gone overseas. You know, your Jimmer Fredette or uh, like, overseas legend, yeah. Jimmer Fredette. Well, he's incredible in China. He, That's what he, I mean for years. He's yeah.
2: averaging, I think, ninety-seven points a game or something like that. But
6: even know. like Marshawn Brooks, like he was a guy who just lights out, just crazy scorer could not stick in the NBA at all and finds himself in in China averaging 35 a game for years. So you know, there, there's all kinds of places you can play, but if you're going to stick in the NBA and you're not one of the two or three stars on a team, you've got to understand what your role is and you've got to be the best possible version of that player possible. And that requires your coach to be really communicative and like work you through what it is they're asking for you But it's also like swallowing your your ego and saying, "I want to stay in the league, and I'm going to do what it takes to stay in the league."
2: Over under one and a half makes for Keegan Murray tonight. Over, I think he's going to have a better game. I think so too, Um, and I have no reason to believe that other than the fact (laughs) Kilbridge's could be defending him. Yeah, I yeah, I was have no reason to believe that other than the fact I refuse to believe he's going to have a fourth straight awful game um and for the like he's hit two shots in the last three games he hit one shot in two of them and zero in one of them he's been one of eight twice in the in in two of the last three games and that's something that I just don't think happens with him tonight um and I also wonder and matchups are a big part of this and they're going to do what they can to win the game without worrying about things like this but I do wonder if there's a conscious effort to get him involved a little bit tonight yeah, you talk about you know confidence, and we use James Wiseman as an example earlier, and taking Keegan out of the starting lineup and what that could do to his confidence. Well, you also don't want to have too many of these games in a row, and I think he has already had more than he's comfortable with. And I and I and I think the Kings may be getting to a point where it's also like, all right, you know, it's just part of being a rookie. Let's get him involved, though. Let's 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 go back and look at what was working for him to start the season and figure out a way to replicate that tonight against one of the league's better defenses.
6: Yeah, I think it's interesting. One of the things Mike Brown said this weekend um, was that when he wants to see Keegan Murray go in and hammer a ball on somebody, like, don't give someone respect that does, hasn't earned it. And just mm-hmm. go in there and play your game and go put someone on a poster. And, like, find that fire and find that, like, ability to just push through. And uh, And I also, I asked him today, like, you know, at the college level, you played a lot in the post. Is that something that you're you're talking to the coaches about is something that you think that would help you. And he said, yeah, I was really good in that area as a college player, but I need to earn that respect here that, you know, we already have a couple of guys that are really good at scoring down low and I got to do my role. And that's, he's saying the right things. And, but that doesn't mean that the Kings aren't doing him and themselves a disservice by not doing that. So.
2: I think they're aggressive tonight. I I think they, they saw what went flat for them against Boston. And the attacking the basket, which was working. Sabonis at the basket, which was working. And then, for reasons known to absolutely no one on the face of the planet, they just stopped. And then Boston scored 34 of the next 40 points, which I mean, is absolutely insane, even for a great team like Boston.
6: Yeah. I mean, like, look, at the college level, he was the best, he was elite. At scoring in the post, he's basically like having a seven foot four guy who dunks on everybody every time. He's that good in the post, so you might as well give him some looks down there. But it's got to work within the flow of the offense.
2: And James Ham is that good, uh, James? We appreciate you for being with us today, uh, as always. We appreciate you for being with us uh, at always. Make sure you send some love over to @imkDiddy on Twitter and Instagram, uh, and we'll see you back here tomorrow, hopefully celebrating a Kings win here on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN 1320. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
5: I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.